This episode is brought to you by Grasshopper Climbing. I have tried all of the training boards on the market. I love the moon board, tension board, kilter board, etc. But the Grasshopper board is my favorite. I cannot wait to buy a house or property someday just so I can own one of these boards so I can train on it every day. Why is it my favorite? First things first, Grasshopper got the basics right. You can actually warm up on the board, which is super critical if you're thinking about putting a board in your garage and that's all you have to train on. The LED lights are in the right spot and are easy to see when you are climbing and the wall angle is easy to adjust. Those three things already set the Grasshopper board apart from the other boards. But more than that, I absolutely love their hold set. As soon as I climbed on the board for the first time, I could tell the folks at Grasshopper put a ton of thought into the hold shapes and the layout. Instead of just shaping a bunch of different variations of crimps and edges and pinches and things that are kind of the same, but they're all kind of different, these guys took the time to shape an awesome collection of holds that all complement one another, and they designed the layout to make the best possible use of every square foot of the board. The Grasshopper layout is awesome. It's super well thought out and I believe their plan is to perfect it and then to keep it that way. So we can all continue to build on the same catalog of boulder problems and you won't need to buy a new hold set. The layout is also mirrored, which I love. It's really cool to try a boulder problem and then flip it around in the app and see if it feels different to climb it the other way around. And I love that if I find a cool boulder problem to try, I immediately have two to work on that are equally good for training just by mirroring the boulder. But don't take my word for it. A board is a big investment. The folks at Grasshopper just want you to try the board for yourself and see what you think. If you want to check out Grasshopper, be sure to check them out on Instagram at Grasshopper Climbing if you want to see the board in action. And you can visit their website at grasshopperclimbing.com to learn more and contact their sales team to find out where you can go try the board and to find out which board system is right for you. And if you are ready to pull the trigger, the folks at Grasshopper are offering you guys, listeners to this podcast, $500 off when you order a fully kitted out eight by 10 foot board, that's their smallest board, and you can save even more if you upgrade to a 10 by 12 or their 12 by 12. Just tell them I sent you and they will hook it up and save you hundreds of dollars. That's like three pairs of climbing shoes you can save just for listening to this podcast. Once again, check them out on Instagram at Grasshopper Climbing or at their website, grasshopperclimbing.com and be sure to tell them I sent you. This episode is also brought to you by Athletic Greens. I took some this morning. Athletic Greens has become one of my favorite parts of my morning routine. This morning I woke up, threw a scoop of Athletic Greens in a water bottle that I had kept in my little van fridge, so it was nice and cold, shook it up, and I sipped on that while I was making my coffee and prepping for an interview this morning. It's super refreshing and I love the flavor. There's some apple and some pear extract in there along with a little stevia to make it delicious, but not too sweet. And I really enjoy it. I look forward to my little athletic greens shake almost as much as my first cup of coffee every morning, which is really fun. Why do I take athletic greens aside from it being delicious? I think of this stuff as all-in-one nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens has 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens all-in-one. 
and it really gives you all of the micronutrients to meet your daily needs. I like to eat whole foods when it comes to my nutrition, but it's hard to eat perfectly all the time. I live in a van, I travel all the time. Some of the places I climb are out in the middle of nowhere and it's really hard to get good produce. I'm sure all of you can relate to that. And the thing I love about Athletic Greens is that if I take one scoop in the morning, I know I'm covered. If you wanna try it out and see what all the fuss is about, Athletic Greens is going to give you, my dear listener, a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash nugget. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash nugget to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Nugget Climbing Podcast. This is Stephen Dimmitt, and my guest today is Swiss strongman Martin Keller. Martin is a very high-level boulderer and a climbing coach and a teacher from Switzerland, and he's especially known for his very long-term dedication to his bouldering projects. I first learned about this guy from watching some of his films, and to give you an idea of what I'm talking about, this guy has spent literally hundreds of days on many of the projects that he has now completed. It's pretty amazing. This guy's done a lot of hard boulders, but he has also spent weeks and months and years sitting under some of his hardest projects, just slowly, steadily chipping away at them until he gets them done. And he does get them done, which is so cool and so impressive. Martin's a really smart guy. He has a master's in economics and studied a lot of behavioral economics and psychology and neuropsychology during his studies. And he's done all of his hardest climbing after turning 40. He's 44 years old now. And he credits a lot of that to finally applying a lot of the stuff that he learned about how the brain works to his climbing and making some pretty massive shifts in his mindset and seeing that play out in his behaviors and things like that. So we really get into some of the weeds in this conversation, talking about the brain and how it works and how dopamine is the chemical of motivation and how to work with our subconscious brain and our brain chemistry instead of fighting against it. And it was super cool. We talked about a lot of different topics. We also covered some tactical stuff. Uh, Martin is obviously a master of strategy and getting the most out of his climbing sessions. He's really good at training on his projects, and that's really interesting to me. So we talked about how he might structure an outdoor session as a training session rather than always trying to send a long-term project, for instance. Anyway, tons of interesting stuff. One final thing to share before we jump in is that Martin and I had been talking for a little while offline before jumping into this interview, and we've been talking a little bit about Waco Tanks, where I still am and where I was when I was recording this episode, and about some of my projects and about Martin's time climbing in Waco. So he mentions Waco and a couple of the climbs I'm trying later in the conversation. So just wanted to fill in a little context there. But yeah, we launch into this episode with me talking about how I was introduced to Martin and what fascinates me about him, and we take it from there. Thank you guys for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy this wide-ranging and very nugget-filled conversation with Swiss boulderer and climbing coach and teacher, 
Martin Keller. I want to share how I first was introduced to you and ask some questions. I'm, I'm really fascinated by you and your, your philosophy of climbing and training and what projecting means to you. And, and it's just so unique. I talk to a lot of people on this show and there's a lot of commonalities. Like everyone's different. Everyone has their own u- unique approach. But for the most part, people fall similar roadmaps, so to speak in their approach to hard projecting and getting better and things like that. But you really stand alone in my mind as someone who's just committed so much more time to specific boulder problems than, than anyone else I've, I've seen. And I want to read something. I think the first time I became aware of you was from watching a film called The Secrets to Ninja Skills. It was about you doing the first ascent of Ninja Skills Sit. So I'll paint a little context for people. Ninja Skills is a V14 put up by Nale Hukataival in uh, 2009, V14. And yeah, Martin did the sit start, first ascent. And this is from that video. This is like the little caption. You know, if you look at YouTube and you click on the caption, it says, how far does your perseverance stretch? Three years of effort, over 150 sessions, negative six degrees Celsius. That's about 20 degrees Fahrenheit for us in the States, in 50 centimeters of snow, all night, 12 hour sessions, then 25 degrees Celsius, that's about 77 degrees for us in July. Uh, Ninja Skills sit down start was Martin Keller's ultimate nemesis. In the short film, join Martin on his journey as he discovers the secrets to unlocking his first ascent of Ninja Skills sit, V15 slash V16. So there's like two things there that I'm so captivated by and would love to hear your thoughts on. And the first one, of course, is that 150 sessions. I've never, never even come close to that on anything I've ever tried. You know, I think my hardest boulder problem took me 11 days. And that really started to feel like a grind after 11 days of hiking up there and, you know, getting all the pads and doing the links and uh, warming up to it and then trying from start and you know, trying from start until I'm tired and then refining sections and all the things, but 150 days, like I think most people listening to this would would think about that and just ask the simple question of why? <laughs> why <laughs> Why do that when there's so many other things to climb? Um, I'll, just, I'll just give you the floor and let you speak to that and then I, I'm sure I'll have more questions, but it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was actually more of a mini, mini epic for me. <laughs> so it was whatever, two years now, because, you know, it's like the longest I spent up to date to climb on a project lately was like 13 years, I think. Um, so three years. Okay. That's, that's, that's really mini epic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was the one project they had at Susan Pass. I mean, 13 years. Okay. But it was really like the first day I was there, I saw that line. And it hasn't or hasn't been climbed at that time. I was just asking my friend, like, oh, this looks really cool. Like you could see from far, like just a line of holds, like crossing the whole boulder. And he was like, man, are you mad or what? It's kind of just straight up. It's an 8A and that's the middle part. And there is the second part. It's an 8B boulder itself. And I was barely climbing 8A at that time, I think around maybe 7C boulder. 
And he was like, are you totally crazy? I'm like, no, I see the line. It looks really cool. So I want to climb it. And then we went to the boulder and he did already the, the middle part 8A and he showed me the moves and I tried, but I couldn't do one single move in the whole project. But it was the first time I tried. And from that point on, I had been back every year literally and just working on the single parts and that's actually then how i get into projecting this kind of things it's um it's a longer one so you do the the single parts you know of it which are really cool lines for itself and then you just yeah you just keep going until it's done and whatever it takes there is no point that's you know that's a good thing about not being a professional climber it's time doesn't matter you know, it's like you don't have to do it in a year or two years. Like nobody asks you, like you have to do like 10 boulders 8A, 10 boulders 8B, whatever. You don't have to lose points on whatever scorecards. You just go out and do whatever you're up to. And so, yeah, that was then 13 years um, in the end until I really got it done. And I actually managed to fail over, and that's maybe even more. Um, stubborn like six years I was going down on the last hard move like literally over six years and uh, just tried everything just couldn't complete it in the end I was going down like four or five times on that last move in one session um, and so that's just the progress you still see there's progress going and eventually you do it but it's it was the same with ninja skills it was the same with this project with dream time which was really close already 209 then it broke I couldn't mm. do the stand start for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> then um, just randomly there going back, not all the time, but randomly going back every year, tried for a few times and suddenly being able to do it and then finishing it. But it was always, can I say, I even was choking before I did get really close on dream time, which was a big, big dream because there was the first hard outdoor boulder ever I've seen in 202, I think, my first outdoor session ever. In bouldering and Fred Nicole just had done the, the first ascent of the world's first AT boulder and we just were running over there and it's just mind-blowing that line it just doesn't get more perfect just perfect angle just cut with a knife 40 45 degree wall and just enough holds following um the whole boulder crossing it from the right to the left mm. it's just the perfect line and stuff like this was just inspiring I, I was doing 7a boulder at that time so wow. for me it just couldn't even hang on the holds it was just this looks so beautiful i just want to climb it one day it was but more of a dream it was so far off and for us it was so hard that time bouldering was more obscure not many people were climbing like outdoor bouldering was kind of rare and just a few ones like fred they were like superhumans and just so incredible art moves but for me, it was just, it looked so beautiful. It was just in the back of the mind, like, wow, one day it maybe would be nice, but not with a mindset of I maybe could do it because it was just way too far. You know, these days the kids come, they already climbed whatever, 8A, 8B, 8C um, boulders with not even being 20. And so it's just a matter of how, how many tries, like two, three, flash, five minutes soft, whatever. <laughs> and it was just never, ever a question, you know, it was just so far away. It was just, hmm, it looks really cool and it maybe would be really nice. And so it was just about, okay, I want to 
get up there maybe one day. And and that's actually the key thing I think many people miss. It's um I talked about it also with goal setting. It's it's new school pop psychology says like uh, goal setting you have to set goals that should be attainable like it shouldn't be too far mm. it shouldn't be too easy shouldn't be too too hard which makes a lot of sense because otherwise it's if it's too far away people just give in for sure but there is a really important but and i tell this everybody it's like you have to look for something that inspires you you know I, when people come and say yeah i want to climb a v10 which is a really cool goal because it's double digit. It's in in at our place, the magic grade, it's 8A. Mm. So V11 in the US, but for you is a V10 because of the double digit, it's 8A <laughs> Boulder grade in, in Europe. Yeah. It's close, whatever. But I tell people, no, it's for sure it's nice to to first cross that barrier for the first time. That's big motivation. But still look out for lines in that grade you want to climb which inspire you which is just a history or there are moves which you think are really cool or just the line attracts you and there's just some attraction to it so this is kind of what keeps me up and keeps me going gives me that um, dopamine in my brain and out of dopamine there is adrenaline made and this is really what keeps you up and drives you that's actually um, motivation on a molecular level and so that's the first step but then for sure it's like i was standing in front of a v uh, and so, sorry i was standing in front of dream time v15 climbing um v6 v7 at that time so that's just too big of a gap no sense in jumping on the moves what year was this um 202 okay my very my first outdoor boulder session ever <laughs> Uh, I still remember Amazing. that one because I hated it. I literally <laughs> hated it. That's another another funny story. You know, it's like we were just training for rope climbing. I mean, I have a traditional background, like learning to climb in the mountains, mountaineering stuff, nearly dying a few times. Um, and then I decided it's too dangerous <laughs> in the mountains. <laughs> Let's go sport climbing. I don't want to die. I just love life too much. And then um, was sport climbing and we trained, obviously. There were the first few homemade bullet gyms and we trained indoors for rope climbing. And then um, there was bad weather. And then friends were like, yeah, let's go bouldering. And I was like, yeah, okay, we do it indoors. So let's go outdoors. And we went to Cresciano, like the famous Swiss boulder at that time. And I hated it. I, after two hours, I couldn't climb one problem. There was no skin left because I was clearly <laughs> in lack of technique. I could pull super hard, but there was no technique for technical outdoor climbing um, on, you know, smooth granite slopers because we only climbed on positive in-cut crimps limestone at home. So I literally told myself, like, I will never do this again. Outdoor bouldering <laughs> is not for me. <laughs> Yeah, and then I go 13 years to, to one boulder and <laughs> I spent years maybe in Cresciano since then, you know, mm. like climbing a lot of the classics and the big ones like Dreamtime and Story of Two Worlds. Wow. But that was my start to outdoor climbing. And you see there again, it's at the first impression was like, I totally suck, you know, and this was always the theme for me. Nothing came for free in my life. I always... The others were always faster. They learned quicker. They were already better. And I always was coming behind. Like, I don't understand this. I can't do this. 
And I was always, it was at school, it was with, um, it was with um, soccer. And hmm. I was playing soccer and I was just, my friends were getting really good and going to, you know, like um, better teams. And I was somehow stuck at home and just, <laughs> what the heck is going on? And, but in the end, I ended up playing um, soccer at the juniors at the second highest division in Switzerland. So coming just from a nobody, the lowest, whatever league you could be in and somehow made my way up because I just loved the game. I just wanted to to go for it and I tried really hard. And if it didn't work, I just did try harder. Mm. Um, and so that seems the, the theme there in climbing the same. Like I started climbing and people were telling me like, man, you're 20 years old, you're way too old and you're totally lack of technique, you know, it's horrible. And I was like, yeah, I maybe suck, but I really like to climb. I love to move. I love to be um, outdoors at the rock. And now I just, let's just see what happens. And I just wanted to, I had these lines, as I said, in mind, like on all the grades, like I wanted to climb deadline, deadline, deadline. Um, and it was always, okay, I can't do it, but what do I need so I can do it? And then I was training that kind of um, thing. And that was always a thing for me already playing soccer. I was the first bringing water to the training field, you know, because I felt like I was really thirsty. And I did read some um, like research that said, um, yeah, if you dehydrate too fast, you lose a lot of um, yeah power and endurance, whatever your muscles just stop working. So I did bring water to the to the training and to the to the fields and I did already pull-ups and I did um, work my core because I knew from studies that's beneficial because the sport was pretty athletic and that was back in the day where the football players were not fit at all you know I was maybe the only one with a six-pack at that time wow um and then at the end everybody suddenly was bringing water to the field and everybody was drinking and was the first having a banana in the in the break like in between the two halves so it was never just the Russian approach. Um, we say in Switzerland, it's just head down and just bang the wall until you get through. Um, it was always kind of, um, yeah, do some research and just try to figure out what you have to do so you get better mm. at what you do. And and then it was just hunting down these, these lines, just wanting to climb it and then, oh, I have done it. Oh, that's cool. So go for the next one, go for the next one, go for the next one. And then at one point you're, oh, now I'm trying dream time. Wow, that's pretty cool actually. <laughs> but that was just a stand start, you know, B11, B12 maybe back then. And it was super cool at one point to climb it. But still then I wasn't really thinking about the whole line as a realistic project. Just then the, the little steps, 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 to do one step at one time. And also because you ask like, yeah, why you go back for three years or 150 sessions to one boulder or spend whatever, 13 years going back and back. I mean, I did climb some other stuff too. Okay. It's not that <laughs> I just jumped on that stuff. So yeah. I did a lot of the classics. And then when you're done with what you can do more or less, then it's um, okay. And it's just a really hard stuff that's left. Mm. 
And another thing for me, it's I rather spend time on something, as I said, that inspires me from the moves, from the line, than to just sample another boulder. Mm. You know, it's just it does not give me anything to just climb another whatever number. It's I rather climb whatever 30 more days on that really, really cool project um, than to be somewhere else. Um, Ninja skills as well. You know, it's such a perfect boulder. It just doesn't get any better. It's a huge, like diamond shaped, perfectly shaped um, piece of rock. It's a beautiful setting, really quiet, sits on a south slope, so gets sun, um, it, which is beautiful in winter. You know, I could see down to Kironiko, which is on the big famous area on the other side, and I could literally see the people freezing their ass off down there. <laughs> and I was just sitting in the sun and waiting for the sun to go away. <laughs> and just had just had, yeah, just the best time up there because it was there where I wanted to be. And also, you know, people and that's a lot of people come to me for coaching as well. And then they are like, yeah, they train so much and they train so hard, but then they plateau and they just don't get out of it what they want. They don't send the project. And and then I always ask them, like, it's part of a big assessment, but I always want to know from them, like, what was it when you started with climbing? What did you like most? And also now, what do you like most about climbing? So um, what, what is it for you, Stephen? What do you like most about climbing? It's funny. It is interesting to kind of look back at, and see how it's ebbed and flowed. It's changed, you know, and mm -hmm. it, it's almost come full circle in a way for me. I, I started out with with bouldering and I didn't have access to a lot of steep, very physical bouldering because of the gym I started in. But I think I was always just so excited when I did stumble into that style of climbing. Mm -hmm. Um, and now I get to travel and seek it out. And so that kind of has risen to the top again, just focusing on this type of bouldering here in Waco and things like that. Just really physically difficult, burly styles. I, I, I do love sport climbing as well, but I think that's kind of at the top for me right now is like mm -hmm. these really just stunning and very physically hard boulder problem lines that I've always thought would, would be, always thought were impossible for someone like me, you know, whatever that means. And starting to try to grow this belief in myself that like, oh, and, and you're such an, an inspiration as far as this goes, like hearing about your trajectory mm -hmm. from being a V6 climber 20 years ago in your 20s already, and then climbing V15, V16. I mean, that is awesome. That is awesome. And to hear that, <laughs> you know, 13 years ago, trying that project, what was the name of that one that you tried for 13 years? Um, Highlander. Highlander. Susten Post and in the middle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Hearing that you were like a V11 climber going into that process and then that, I mean, so you must have been my age. I'm 32, you know, so in your early 30s, you mm -hmm. were climbing V11 and mm -hmm. you've progressed another four or five grades since then. It's just so... Yeah, in the 30s, yeah, maybe already V13, I think, up to V14. Yeah, it depends, you know, grades are so fluent um fluctuating it's and you know that yourself everybody was climbing out there doesn't matter what the grade is you will you will always experience if something especially in bouldering fits your style your body you jump a grade easy mm. if something doesn't fit your style you're just maybe i mean there are we 
I'm sure there are always trips to Font, you know, Fontainebleau. My, pff, there are the sevens I can climb, maybe even the fives. Or I would really, really try super hard for maybe a day to get up. <laughs> but then I flashed up to eleven, whatever. Wow. It's, it's so relative in the end. And that's maybe another concept, you know. But just before I get back, because you didn't answer my question what you really like about bouldering and rock climbing mm. what is it what you like about it that's surprisingly hard to articulate isn't it mm. mm-hmm. um i think at the very top it's it's movement it's like anytime i experience that process of something feeling just really really difficult desperate you know mm-hmm ugly and then refining it and going through that process of eventually getting that very ugly difficult piece of climbing to flow easily easily and gracefully Mm. like that that um evolution that process is uh, that that's that's it that's what i'm seeking all the time Mm -hmm. i love that it's the best Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah what what is it for you Yeah, similar, I think, turning the impossible into possible. Um, and also, yeah, movement and not just doing it with sheer power. So it is kind of a nice sequence, like some somehow a nice choreography. Mm. So nice movement. Sometimes I even not climbing the easiest solution because I just like a particular move or I don't like a particular move no, or hold, and I maybe do it even a bit harder. I don't care, but it's nicer to climb. And as you say, movement, being outdoors, um, touching rock, being in nature, and moving around there and having just freedom to do what I want to. You know, I can climb, I can just sit, I can eat, I can sleep. I'm just kind of a yeah, pure freedom. Mm. And and it's for many people, it's stuff like this, you know, it's like nobody answered me ever what you like most about climbing. Nobody comes up with, I want to send every weekend to <laughs> whatever boulders. Okay. <laughs> and then people come to me and ask me like, yeah, you know, it's getting really stressful and I'm disappointed. I cannot send more. And it's like, hmm, yeah, interesting. But when I ask you what you like most about climbing, you had a really nice day out. You have been out with your friends. You had a fun time at the rocks. You climbed on the rocks. You moved. You maybe solved a little puzzle. You maybe found some new micro beta. Okay. And you had a great dinner with friends, you know, just a good time. Um, but okay, you didn't climb your project. But that was not the point in the end, wasn't it? So, so for me, it's really that it's, it's not climbing. It's not about climbing, climbing, like getting to the top of boulders. I always, you know, if I want to get to the top, I can just hike from the back. (laughs) That's not the point. It's not the point in getting to the top. It's, um, it's, as you say, it's that process of solving a, a puzzle for me. That's, that's some of the best moments in my climbing. It's, it's, it's not when I top the things out, it's. The moment I solve a puzzle or I found a nice sequence or I have by myself or I have a good time with a friend or and we solve it together a puzzle and wow, now it's possible we kind of did it. 
that's for me the, the the really really cool moments and and when you realize and you really have to work i mean it's it's our society it's always you know it's like checklists you have to do this mm. to do this it's performance it's so important you get measured all the time um at your work you know it's like your your computer program track tracking how many mails you've done how much time it took you it's crazy it's always it's performance everything is measured and yeah and for me climbing still it's maybe the roots also how i learned you know like learned got into climbing back in the in time it was really a sport of the can you say it was kind of a revolutionary thing you know it's like these guys were just spending their time out there in the desert Tueco, you know for example or in ticino some so it was like uh, yeah it was special it, it was not just can i say yeah it was not not being part of this um like hamster wheel mm. you know just just running around and just spinning and um, go for your career and just get the the ladder up it really was something else like do something you really like um with your time and with your life and um just another yeah another way of life definitely and and for me it's this you know for you too for many of us climbing takes so much time and effort so many people put so much in it this is not just a sport anymore it's uh, no disregard to tennis or whatever but um it's like you, you head out for a weekend trip it's you drive for wh whatever long hours in the us especially i learned you know it's not so close as in switzerland but still in switzerland then you're out for the whole weekend and you do that and it's just there is so much more involvement than just going to the gym for two hours and then be home again you play whatever round of tennis or whatever it's way way more commitment in there so much time that it's definitely for me it's it's a way of life i mm. i arranged my life around my climbing you know that's that's how i did i i knew with the 20 i want to have that time for me i want to spend that time on the rocks so i was planning my life in a way i could spend that time outdoors on rock so and on rock being out there and be climbing you know, so for me, actually, a good session already is when I get out there to the rock. It's on the drive to the rock, I get a nice coffee and um, a nice croissant, uh, maybe with chocolate inside. And I have some nice music or a podcast. I learned something and I'm out there and I can climb. I don't have to send anything because I literally am doing what I want to do, you know. And so I literally don't care for sure. I like to top out stuff and climb stuff too from time to time, but um, it's it's not priority at all. Mm. And funny thing is, when it's getting when it's getting less and less a priority, then that's the moment where I send or a lot of people start sending. You know, I think even Sharma was once um, this quote he had you. You have to let go of the desire to reach the top or something like this. Um, it seems totally contradictory. I think you really have to want to get to the top. But on the other hand, you really have to let go. Mm. Um, otherwise, you will be just too tense, too focused, and you will be just not relaxed enough. And then right. you're back at the, at the brain and how the brain works. You know, Because people always ask, like, 
yeah, that needs a lot of willpower. You know, like the 150 days and ninja skills, there was snow and then it was rain and it was hot and really all night long and stuff like this. I, I don't really recommend to people um, doing that. It's not um, the most clever way, for sure not. Um, to go so often to one point, but it's, as I said, for me, that was my kind of inspiration, just to climb on that piece of rock that just gave me the the inspiration and the drive and motivation to go and go again. Now, if this doesn't uh, make sense for you, don't do it. It's that simple. Really mm. do whatever resonates with you and don't try to push yourself somewhere where you feel uncomfortable, like a lot, a little bit can be good, but uncomfortable. There is really not, not what I suggest. You, you, you have to look for yourself, what, what is your inspiration, how you want to do it. And when you want to climb and top out more um, and do it. And especially when you start climbing, and it's it makes a lot of sense to do a lot of climbs a lot of different climbs for sure not spend your whole climbing life on the one piece of rock you know when i travel when i get to see other areas like when i was in the in Waco, when i traveled to australia new zealand um south africa whatever to fontainebleau i i just climb as much as i can mm. i would never ever I don't project kind of at all more than maybe a day, whatever, because there's just too much rock. That's too much to explore. It feels like the little kid <laughs> in the candy store or um, whatever, or just, I want to play. I want to climb on everything, you know, just when, just as a kid, when you're on a new playground, you have to check out everything. Yeah. Go for it because that's where you learn where you build your repertoire in movement, where you learn to climb, where you use your different techniques. Yeah, definitely doing that all the time. Back home, um, I've done a lot of the stuff, so that's where I project. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, but when I go traveling, I just want to climb as much as I can. And, and that willpower thing again, you know, it's okay, you want to do really your project. Now, it's always, okay, then you need a lot of willpower because, yeah, 150 days to the same boulder or the other one was for sure that was more than a year spent underneath that rock for sure that was maybe i don't know 500 days whatever 500 doesn't matter days. But, wow. yeah whatever wow. sounds insane you know but, yeah. but now comes it's it's kind of it's again how your brain works okay mm. there is because there is if you try to do something with willpower you will lose sooner mm. or later you'd only get that far because when you try to solve a problem with willpower or to push somewhere you can do that but willpower is just a finite resource and it means you have to fight all the time against your unconscious brain because willpower means you or a lot of people understand like you do something you don't really want to do mm. and this doesn't make sense you know it's there's a lot of friction out of this and you will lose and it's just miserable as well you know it's kind of always stop doing something i don't like no that's that's not the way to go okay it's and that's not how it worked for me either it's and i think you solved that for yourself as well you know it's you have 
to make you have somehow to make your brain like what you do so it, your brain actually supports you your unconscious brain so you actually don't need willpower anymore and that's why when i do mindset work with my clients it's not just at the surface because at the surface you learn yeah you can do whatever tricks you know to get your mind into the right zone and function better that's nice and useful but it's just up here but mindset work means you have to get the fundamentals right so you have to get your subconscious brain actually supports you actually shift it in a way so it supports you and then everything else falls into place and doesn't take effort anymore at all you know and so that willpower thing you can basically forget because your unconscious brain goes in and says yes let's go again because i want this too and then you just go and it doesn't need effort then i sit there at ninja skills after a full work day arriving at 12 um, in the night doing a warm-up and then starting to climb at 1 a.m and then, um, yeah, driving straight back home to work um, because at 5 a.m. you don't need to sleep anymore. And then whoosh, also not recommended. OK, that shouldn't be the wow. That shouldn't be the default um, session, but it can be. It happens from time to time. And again, it doesn't make sense from a point of view. Um, watch your sleep. OK, sleep. It's the number one factor for your physical and mental performance another thing people don't get and i hate these managers you know like i only need four hours of sleep these top managers and i work and it's like yeah you're just a stupid idiot you could be so much more you could be <laughs> totally. so much yeah. more um efficient if you would sleep six to seven hours the same goes for athletes just don't listen to these people mm. Uh, whatever but again it's like from time to time doing something weird maybe a bit or special that gives me this um this extra motivation again and um, that keeps me going and as i said when when i have my my brain lined up my subconscious brain this doesn't need willpower at all i i even have to to take myself back to not do stuff like this too often and so that's actually really how it goes and how it how you make it work because you know it's when you when you get home after a day of work and now you're home now your brain doesn't want you to get up and go training for climbing anymore that's, that's the most stupid thing you can do it's from an environmental aspect your brain wants you to survive so that means energy conservation is a big big thing because back in the day when we still lived in trees and in caves, we couldn't go to whatever shopping market and um, supermarket and just get 2000 calories in our mouth and whatever. So energy conservation is a big, big thing. So what your brain, your default mechanism is um, just stay at home because you have food at home. You did the work. Now it's energy conservation, recharge. For sure, you don't need to go climbing <laughs> after a full day of work because you don't need to do it for your survival. It's plain stupid to burn energy for something that stupid than to scramble on rock. You can walk on top from behind. You know, you don't have <laughs> to spend 13 years to get in front. You can just walk up from behind. So 
So it's normal that your brain doesn't want to, to go training after work. And that's also something people should know, of course, because a lot of people feel like, oh, you know, I have a hard day at work. I come home. I'm too tired for training. But I know I should go training. It's like, no, that, that's actually you should feel like that. That's your systems um, work as they should. So now it's just how you still can trick your system so you can go training, okay? And so that's then the thing. So you don't need willpower when you trick your unconscious brain into actually, I want to go training, okay? And there is some tricks you can apply so your brain thinks go, going to train it's actually a really, really good thing. And then you don't need willpower anymore. You mm. will drive to the gym like, yes, let's go. Three hours all in. And everybody else like, yeah, but the week before you were just sitting on the couch. It's now what happened now? It's like, yeah, okay. I, that's just the unconscious brain now supporting my decisions um, versus um, it doesn't um, support um, my decisions. And, and that's that's shockingly easy to do, you know, it's just many people don't know. And that's what I don't like as a teacher. It's like, man, we should teach people how the brain works. <laughs> mm. Because we teach them so much in school, but nobody has a real clue how the brain works, how it makes decisions, how it guides you, you during the day. Um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating, um, fascinating to see um, how things change when you don't have to work against your own brain anymore yeah, and it supports you. For some people, it comes naturally. Um, lucky them, for some people, not. And then it gets interesting, you know. And, and so that's why it's not just a training plan because you won't get up and do your training plan unless, unless you get your mind which supports you to go and do mm. training in the end. Can you take us through that example? So for someone, and maybe you can use yourself as an example too, if you're, you know, if you're going back to one of those days on ninja skills, I'm sure out of mm -hmm. 150 of them, there was one day where you didn't feel totally psyched to go back to this thing. Maybe not, no. but, but I'm assuming. <laughs> so, you know, for you or for the person that, for the person that gets off work and like, you know, some part of them deep down wants to go train, or at least they want to mm -hmm put in the work and serve their future self and, you know, um, put in the, the discipline and, and do this thing that they set out to do, whatever it is, but they're just not feeling it. They're tired. They have to kind of rally. You know, that's like such a common phrase is I, I have to rally for this training session or this climbing session. Um, what does it look like to help that person get rid of that friction and help them find alignment with their unconscious brain and their conscious brain? Is it just like reframing the evening's training or or is it what what does that look like how do you coach someone through that mm, yeah really good question it's it's several points you you start to you start to um you start to take actions um it's it's one really basic point that's one you hear a lot but it's really powerful it's um yeah make it as easy as possible to go for the training um, this makes a lot of sense. You know, if you have a two hour drive in like heinous traffic, that doesn't make things easier. So it would be nice if there is something closer. For sure, don't go home before climbing or training because once at home, you won't leave home anymore. Mm. 
because it's just your and that's also how your systems work you know it's like at home you start to relax you start to chill um because it's it should be a place where you calm down and where you relax and what this makes with your brain it's it just takes the, the motivation out of your system literally on a chemical way because you start to relax means there is chemicals coming up that make you comfortable and relax and that's not what you need to go training so you need your brain to be active and be alert so many people know that's why a lot of people drink coffee you know in the morning to be active and alert because coffee triggers adrenaline in your brain and this actually makes you makes you able to move and and to be active but now you maybe don't want to drink a coffee at five six um in the afternoon because that may maybe for some people and it has been shown to be really about genetics some people can handle that super well some people not at all with sleep later mm. so if you can handle it well then yeah for sure get the coffee in your system and ramp the system up that makes it way more likely to go and go training because then your system your brain is in a state of mind that actually thinks oh it's still going on and then go straight to training so that's why go straight to training don't go home just pack your stuff and would be nice if you're already a bit or still a bit stressed from work because that means that's another good one i'm stressed i like it because everybody thinks stress it's so bad it's actually not um okay so use that state of mind that energy maybe get a coffee or just whatever um if you have time um in between after work play play a video game um for 10 minutes or 15 minutes um because that will ramp your system up as well they'll get huh. your adrenaline going and then it makes you go in listen to music that um activates you a lot of people do obviously but just recently they found out why it works because music as well triggers dopamine and triggers then adrenaline so this makes you going and wanting more to do so that's why some people train really well with music and then you couple the music with the training and then your brain wants the music and wants the training back because it couples it mm. so it means your brain gets the reward out of dopamine when it hears music so as we said really don't calm down after work um, before you go training because then your system it's just on the opposite okay your your nervous system it's then de-stressed it's relaxed and that's really hard then to ramp it up and go training again mm. so make use when your system still is up there if it starts to crash and you're getting tired then fire it up again also get some food into the system sugar makes the same um, also ramping up the system i mean there is more energy flowing around sugar triggers dopamine as well in the brain so it can really make use of that um of that points to tap in that nervous system and make your brain actually being able to um go and um seek out for physical work uh, and that's 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 really helpful a lot of people mm -hmm realize this do that intuitively right you know so let's go straight for training and it's just interesting to know the, the background why it works and why it doesn't work because then it offers you a lot of other tools and um, also breath work can be really um helpful as well there 
it's like I was, you know, for me, it was, I'm not the woo woo guy. I need somehow um, a, a scientific explanation, whatever behind if something works or doesn't work. But actually, it's it's with the yoga thing, you know, you hear, yeah, it's really important breath work, like inhale, exhale, and helps people calming down. And I'm like, yeah, if this helps you, sure, go for it. But I didn't really understand why it helps or what. And then, yeah, it turns out when you, um, when you learn the physiology of it, it actually is a physiological process that when you exhale, your diaphragma goes down, compresses the heart. The heart gets a bit smaller, doesn't need to pump as hard anymore. That means instantly your heartbeat goes down. Mm. And this is a signal for the whole body to just, okay, we're in a safe state because the heartbeat is down and everything gets down-regulated. And this is real time in a few seconds. You can just <clears throat> calm your system down. And that's fascinating. So I'm all for breath work now. Um, it's really, really powerful too because it's free. You can do it everywhere. Um, and it's super, super safe, you know, and it also works the other way around. Now, don't do this in the car, but when you focus not on the on the exhale, when you focus on the inhale, um, you can actually start to ramp up the system by a lot. Um, kind of goes into direction. Some people will know Wim Hof, like the famous Dutch, um, like ice swimmer and um, with this hyper, hyper ventilation system it just goes the other way around when you focus on the inhale your diaphragm goes up the heart gets a little bit bigger so it needs to pump more so your heartbeat will jump in a few seconds um, in real time so the system gets ramped up and then by um, hyperventilating you're secreting adrenaline in the brain which then gives you a real rush like really triggers on the system so i tell you you can play a computer game it brings up the the, the adrenaline you can do a breathwork exercise, which brings up the adrenaline. You can drink coffee, brings up the adrenaline. You can eat the banana. It's your brain doesn't really know what's going on. It mm -hmm. only knows the system gets ramped up. The chemicals are the same. It doesn't care where it comes from. So try what works for you. And it really works. It's, um, it's pretty cool. It's, um, yeah, it's really fascinating. And, and then we come back to stress. You know, it's like, uh, stress it's so everybody's like so stressed out these days and well stress is so bad for us and even some i just saw a recent post from um um lettuce they do a lot a lot of good things i really like them and but they had like one big headline like stress is killing your grade mm. it's like climbing grade you know deteriorates your climbing and 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 there it really you really need to go into details because it's simply not true. Okay. It's not true that stress is bad. You really have to make a distinction here. It's long-term stress. That's really bad. Mm. Short-term stress. It's without, we wouldn't go climbing. We wouldn't be able to perform. We literally would do nothing. We would just sit in the couch and do nothing. Okay. It's stress. It's simply an activation of the nervous system. Okay, so your nervous system, it's either activated or it's relaxed. Just the two, um, the two things. And now there are situations in your life where you want to have a calm nervous system. And there are situations where you have, where you want to be focused and alert. I mean, imagine you go climbing and 
you cannot focus, you feel sleepy, yeah, you will not perform. It's impossible. You even for computer work, you know, you need some kind of focus on alertness. So you actually want to ramp up your stress level so you're productive. But what is really important is to balance it. And then what people refer to why stress is bad is the constant overload, you know. So your nervous system is constantly triggered because there is so much input these days on your phone, always getting new texts, and then you check the news and Instagram and everything. And that's just constantly upregulating your nervous system to a point where it gets chronic and then it gets really, really unhealthy. Mm. Okay, so it's the point is, and that's, that's really important to be able to regulate your nervous system, okay, to upregulate when you need for work, for your training for your performance and then to down regulate so you can relax and your system actually can recharge um to fire again it's it's like train you cannot train 24 hours a day it's overload of the system system will fail and the brain it's it's exactly the same mm. you know but it's it's really important to see that distinction and to actually be able to manage stress levels that's the key and you can do this we talked about a few things breath work super cool free um and there it's a few as we said like behavioral approaches and there are supplements of course you can take which support in one way or another we had coffee you know so that's a supplement to to upregulate your nervous system but now when you're an anxious person and you maybe have fear of falling when you lead climb you maybe don't want to have your system too upregulated because you will freak out. It's just too much. So it maybe would make sense to get back with the coffee intake before you go for a for a whatever critical lead um, climb because that could be then way too much. Okay, but you may be a person that can tolerate coffee a lot, so there is no problem. But it's just stuff like this which when you're mindful about what you do you will learn how you will um, have to act um, on these sides Mm. what are some of the things that you like to do to turn the nervous system off or turn it down at the end of the day (laughs) if you if you're not going out for a midnight training session yeah exactly because then it's the other way around you know obviously (laughs) Um, because then you want to upregulate heavy and it's just to say maybe to upregulate um one thing is is light mm. okay it sounds basic oh, yeah, light, but it's actually really important so when you go for a night session and you want to climb and now okay always make sure it's okay environmental uh, maybe private property whatever be mindful and careful there good thing in switzerland especially in ticino it's pretty relaxed we can go out in the night there are other areas where you shouldn't go out so always make sure um, that you know the local rules what is okay and what is not okay but okay did you know it's okay with the night sessions and so i bring big lights big floodlights with me and so i have my whole bowl where it's like it's bright i mean it's still it's a tiny tiny dot when you see the whole valley you know mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. a tiny tiny dot with light everything else it's dark so um the poor whatever animal can sleep well and they're actually really curious you know they they mm. come actively and um i always had a group of deers um watching over me i mean you you see the reflection 
And they were really curious, like, oh, what's going on here? What's this mad guy doing again? And I had <laughs> owls, like an owl always coming. And like, I already missed her when I didn't hear the sound. It was, it was pretty fun. Mm. So light, because light really keeps you awake. It's super powerful. Okay, it shuts down the melatonin production in your brain, which makes you really sleepy and want to go to sleep. So bright light keeps you awake. So that means on the other way around, when I'm at home and when I want to relax and want to go to sleep, I keep the light dim in the night, especially overhead lights. Mm. I cut off because there is special um, neurons in the brain that react for overhead light. So that triggers then this melatonin, um, also shuts down the melatonin production. So really make sure to not see bright light during the night and especially not during the sleep. So that's also, I close the blinds and I have, um, so it's really, really dark in the room. If it's not possible when I'm traveling, I, it's super fancy. Huh? It's like, you know, like the stuff you get in the planes. Um, oh, like a face for, mask. For the eyes. Yeah. yeah, face mask, but it's, it's super easy and super potent because when you see bright light, even if I have to get up and pee in the night, I don't put the bright light on Mm. I only get um, get the phone with like a really decent light, sometimes just a screen, and it's obviously on flight mode and stuff like that. So there is not a lot of not a lot of light in the eyes. Really, really, it it um, it can be really disruptive. Many people don't know, um, but you see that if you have to work like for shift workers, mm. that's really um, you have to be careful. Um, because there you obviously it really can disrupt your hormonal systems and everything in your body. And so that's also why I don't suggest to do night sessions too often and not too long in the morning. I said there are some all-nighters can happen, but really shouldn't be the, the norm because it really messes with your with your hormonal systems and with recovery and everything. So I really started to change that for myself as well trying to get um, like regular sleep times and not disrupt the system with all-nighters too often because it's the older you get especially um the more you realize how important recovery actually is um so you you get that one down and then you can also start to regulate or play a bit with your body temperature um, because you need your body temperature to go down to have a proper sleep. So it shouldn't be too warm where you sleep, like no sound. So I literally have earplugs because you also have cats. They rumble around sometimes um, during the night. And so I have earplugs. Um, it's dark. Um, yeah, that's no light. And, and that helps big time definitely to calm mm. down. And then also um, light on your phone, um, not a good idea, okay? There is a um, night mode, which helps already, but simply not looking at bright screens from whatever, eight o'clock, maybe nine o'clock, um, helps a lot to calm the system down. And it's not helpful as well to watch whatever super tense movies mm. or series, or even just check news feeds, you know? It's, yeah. When you check news feeds on your phone, it's your brain constantly gets news and that's always this dopamine and adrenal system kicking in. And this actually, it's, this actually keeps you awake and in an 
alerted state of mind mm. and so not in a relaxed state of mind so yeah really old school get a book or not even um cuddle the cat and talk to you talk to a friend or to your partner and just somehow yeah really relax try to really calm the system and there is one last thing maybe and um, with your food as well you know it's like always like don't eat too close before you go to bed because your body then will still be digesting but for some people if they eat too early then it's also a problem um mm. i try and it's now we're in nutrition but i try to get my um to get my dinner yeah not too late not but also not not too early and i try to get some carbs also um for my dinner because carbs are made in chemical processes into melatonin in the end it's tryptophan then it's serotonin then it goes into melatonin and it actually helps you on a natural way to sleep better so because it's so so um, in vogue these days you know and a lot of people try it um, like keto diet for climbers as well so you go heavy on protein and fat and reduce um, carbs so your body runs on these ketones for energy um, um, production like some people experience some not but it can happen that some people experience um, problems with sleep mm. and then it can help to add a little bit of um, carbs before you go to sleep so you produce the sleep hormone and you will have a way better sleep and it doesn't need to be too much so it doesn't need to kick you out of ketosis some people can have 50 grams of carbs but there are even people getting two 300 gram of carbs per day still they are in ketosis so yeah, yeah. it's worth to check that as well uh, but definitely um yeah make sure to get a good night's sleep and also the mattress and the pillow and the blanket so it's not too warm not too hot um helps a lot mm. the older you get you will you will um, <laughs> you will value a good night's sleep more and more for sure well thanks for all that that's yeah that's awesome super helpful um and a lot of very actionable things that people can try from there i wanted to ask you more about your training and this takes us back to that ninja that ninja skills video because you said in there you had an interesting quote you just at one point pointed to the boulder and you said that's my gym you know and you either i think you said you either spend time in the gym or you spend it here, but you have to put in the time. That's the only way it works. You said something like that. And I love that. Uh, but I, I wanted to ask you, going back to the 150 sessions on this boulder, uh, and it's interesting that you said you you don't resonate with the Russian mentality, because if anything sounds like beating your head against something, it's spending 150 <laughs> days on a boulder. So I would just, I'd love to hear, like, how are you... How are you using that as training? Um, and I'm going to ask a few questions in one and you can tackle all of them. But yeah, how, how are you training on a boulder like that to make sure that you're getting strength adaptations from it and, and improving? And then if you show up to the boulder on one of these compromised sessions, let's say it's slightly damp or it's slightly hot mm. or whatever, it's, it's unlikely that you're going to have your peak performance and send the thing. What do you do? What do you do to make sure that that session is productive if you've already spent 100 days? Are you refining beta even further or just 
it's, it's hard to imagine that there's any way you could make progress on day 112 if it's bad conditions, but, um, but maybe I'm wrong. So I'd, I'd love to hear how you think yeah. about that. No, no, it's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely a good question. Um, the one with conditions, it's maybe a good one. That's one I, I had to adjust and learn as well. It depends on what stage you are um, when you're getting close, really close. Um, then it's a trade-off, you know, you think one more day. and But to make it happen, it needs to be like decent conditions. So then it's definitely not worth to head there to make like all the trip. If, if you know conditions will be bad, you know, it snowed or it just rained or whatever, then it's just no point unless you just want to have a walk and you want to see it or whatever but from a training perspective for sure like sending perspective it doesn't make sense you can then go and say yeah it's just a training session so you're rehearsing moves but when you already spent that many days you maybe don't need that anymore you know so i also like transitioned like i don't i then i will not go when it's too bad conditions anymore then I go somewhere else. I go training to the gym when it's really bad, or I will go to another boulder in another area where there is better conditions. Um, if the conditions don't matter, if you're just training the sequences, then if there is dry rock, conditions don't really matter. Okay, it's not perfect, but who cares? You're just training. Okay, and for training, conditions don't need to be good. You're just putting a, um, a stimulus to your body and your body will react to it. And your body doesn't care if it's good conditions or not. Mm. It's just a stimulus he cares. So when it's bad conditions, you have to try harder um, for the same thing you try. So that's actually maybe not even bad in a way of, um, yeah, you have to try harder. So it's mm. better stimulus in the end. You come back, it's perfect conditions. You will just um, cruise it and crush it. Um, that's another way to go. And then maybe an important thing is this kind of long-term projects usually are power endurance projects. It's like one minute of climbing or more. So that's with ninja skills, the same um, with that Highlander. It's the same with, um, yeah, with nearly all my boulders because I really like to move. I like one movers. They are fun, but I would never go like 150 days mm. to a single move in a row. That just completely doesn't make sense. You can go a few times, four or five times, and if you don't make like big progress anymore, then do something else. Train specific for it, go back, you know, stuff like that. But when you have power endurance problems and there is maybe a stand start to it, like there is a lot of these days, um, then yeah, you can just work the sequences together, you know. Then you first do the the, the crocs, whatever the sequences. You do the stand start, which is, um, there is a kind of a stand start. I mean, you, it's anyway, it's, it's super, can I say, um, where do we start on a boulder? Big discussion for itself, you know, sit start, low start, um, lay down start, stand start, jump start. It's random anyway. We could walk, as I said, from behind if you're just looking for. So um, it's whatever you make up for yourself on a boulder. Um, just set these kind of mini goals you go through. So there is maybe an advanced start or you want to do a sequence because, however, you can make up boulders anywhere. You know, it's it's all about conventions. You can say, I start at that hold, I go to this hold, so that's my boulder for today. Mm. And then you 
train this sequence and then you train the other sequence and then you start to put the, the puzzles together and then when you go with structure as i say you apply the basics of training then you make sure you 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 want to get stronger okay that's always a thing because obviously when you're stronger everything else it's easy you want to find the best data as well if you train on the project it's super specific the problem there is sometimes it's maybe the holds are too small maybe the skin goes um re gets really bad and this means you cannot load kind of with the same stimulus you would like to make progress that can be a problem when you try to train on a project good thing with my project most of the time because i don't i don't like painful holds super sharp holds um so and i try to avoid like crunchy moves that feel awkward and where I could injure myself and then I figure out different beta or I go to a different boulder and Switzerland also has a lot of nice climbing so you don't have to do that kind of um, weird stuff let's say so you really can try you can you can you can try in a way or can train in a way you get stronger on a problem you do get out of the 20 moves you make four boulders which have five moves on it and so you climb the four boulders twice in a session. And this means you're training, if the sequences are hard enough, which they usually are, um, means you're, you're training your, your strength and you get stronger on the moves. You get better on the moves, but you also get stronger on the moves if you train right, if they're hard enough, and then you get better and better, and then you can start to link the, the single can I say the single um, sequences and then you go to the top for sure don't try to link too early if it's really long boulders because then you only work your endurance you know you pump maybe out at the end and this is not the way to go it's you want to be stronger and then you will just cruise it more or less in the end okay it's in bouldering normally endurance just doesn't pay off you can go route climbing as much as you want to it will not help you sending right martini for sure not um it will for sure not help on um on free willy which has a dino at yeah. the end you yeah. know um so it's really not about that okay so you really have to get stronger and yeah you can do that if you follow that principles like getting enough rests as well don't get pumped out work in that five moves you know, you can look around what other sports do. It's climbing, it's such a young sport. That's not whatever. So you look at other sports, what they do, how they train. And then you look at guys that are really, really strong. And it's like powerlifters, you know, for example. They are pretty strong. They can move yeah. a lot of weight around. Yeah. And so when you see how they train, they, they have this five by five. So they do, um, yeah, just five repetitions of five exercises. So five boulders with five moves hmm. and a lot of rest in between. And that's actually how you can get stronger. But then you have to make sure to be able to, to be able to load enough. So if it's really small crimps, that's maybe questionable if you really get stronger because you can just load not enough because the holds are too small. So that's why it makes sense to train on bigger holds. Also when you have a hangboard, train on the bigger holds and not on the small ones and there's actually research that supports that from the spanish sports scientist um, eva maria lopez mm. it's really cool she really tested that 
and you can tell yeah people training on the bigger rungs um, can even hold on the small ones better later um, small horse is poor coordination um, when you have access to outdoor climbing you learn the coordination by climbing on the small crimps um, if you don't have access then it makes a lot of sense to train the small holds as well. Um, so it really, you see, it's really highly individual um, how you have to build up your training. It really depends on what your resources are, where you climb, what you want to climb. But always also be specific. You know, there is no point in doing a big campus exercise over five months. And your actual project is um, has a lot of underclings and there is no real one compass move in, mm. um, then you better train something with on the clings, just really basic, you know, instead of just campusing around. It can be fun. If it's fun, okay, go for it. But it's just maybe not the most effective thing. And, and that's something too, you know, for me, really important. That's like most people are not pros. We have a job, we have a social life. Um, and then we still want to go training, you know. And um, so training really has to be effective and efficient as well and um, there is no point in just doing whatever and it doesn't work and that's also what we talked before about the russian mindset it's like you know it's like a lot of people think more it's always better then they train every day they have a full day of work they train every day and it doesn't work yeah okay why it doesn't work yeah because it doesn't make sense you know it's like you need rest your body needs to adapt and then you train again it needs rest and it you train again and so more it's not always better and a lot of clients the only thing i have to do is just pull back you know they're mm. doing way too much and then we're back to stress it's like you have a busy day going on at work you have um, whatever family relationship and this is all just stress it's upregulating your nervous system and it's like filling a glass okay and then you come and you train so that's even more upregulating the nervous system and it's just more to the glass and at one point it's just too much and your system crashes. so that's why it is so important to manage that stress levels if you can manage that your job isn't so stressful or it doesn't affect you that much so it can keep your stress in check you also can train more okay if this doesn't work or whatever then for sure train less and less and more quality it's often way more but it's so hard to get into people's head into people's mind because more it's always better that's our kind of society and you have to train more and you see all the pros you know they train seven eight ten sessions a week and you see they are super strong it's like yeah but hey come on they're like 20 25 their body it's full of the hormones you need for like um, progressing and recovery they don't have a job they don't have a family they don't have responsibilities that way to take care of they recover way faster um, all they have to do is train and recover and maybe even get a meal plan whatever you know um, so they they don't have to think also about all that stuff so that's just a different kind of game and you can't compare yourself to it so you always have to keep in mind what um, the circumstances are you're in and then very often less is way more in the end it's just for me um i'm the strongest i've ever been physically i mean can measure that um 
and I'm 44, but I train two, two and a half sessions a week. I don't get in more. I mean, I need wow. two full rest days. It's getting to three now. I'm like, come on, this cannot be. It's like three full days. But yeah, that's just how the body responds when you go like high intensity exercises. You need more rest if you go all in on these sessions. Um, and then you still progress. It just takes more time and you have to be more clever and recovery gets more and more important. For mm. sure, for somebody 20 years old, they can handle a bigger load, but to get stronger, it's really, it's really important to have the intensity high and cut the volume down. Mm. If you go both ways, like high volume, high intensity, that's just a recipe for overtraining over time. You will burn out. You will get injured at one point. There's just no point in in going there. Uh, so it sounds boring, you know. No, don't train more, sleep more, rest more. Um, yeah, but it really helps okay, <laughs> your body. Yeah. And Mark. it doesn't mean you just sit on your ass. Okay, that's mm. important too because that's, that's another thing which is a big problem in our society. Just people spend, like we now, sitting way too long. So it would be nice to have a standing desk, whatever, if you work um, in an office. So it's 50-50 would be the best, like half of the time standing, half of the time sitting. Like go for a walk. Um, there we have the sun again. Okay, it would be perfect to see daylight early in the morning because this sets all the clocks in your body for all your hormonal systems to work properly and release the right hormones at the right time. Um, stuff like this, really powerful, really simple. Uh, yeah. So get a dog, you know? <laughs> so you are obligated to get out in the morning. You will see sunlight, even if it's cloudy. You get so much more photons into your eyes than when you sit inside, even with a bright light. And it's only the the sunlight that triggers that um that um circadian clocks in your in your body and so that that would be a hack you know it's like mm. oh i i'm not motivated i cannot go out in the in the morning so early um yeah then get a dog and then there is no question you just have to get out you know you have to trick yourself sometimes again your brain so it supports you in what you want to do and it's powerful it's walking it's you know, it, it down. Many people don't know too. It's downregulating your nervous system again. It downregulates your stress center in the brain, like for hours to come, which means you are less sensitive to stress afterwards. Mm. So whatever stress comes, you can buffer way more. There's even some psychotherapy that works that way. It's when your therapist moves um, whatever a finger from left to right or um, a pencil from left to right. It's the eyes going left to right. It's called optical flow. When you move in space, space goes past, and that really downregulates the nervous system. I, when I'm at the passenger seat driving, I fall asleep in five minutes. So for me, that works super powerful, and that's actually this calming effect from this. Um, and this you can have if just a walk. Mm. Uh, so. You get fresh air, you get the cardiovascular system running, um, you get daylight into your eyes, setting all your hormonal clocks, and you downregulate your stress center. And you see, it's, it's, it's stuff like this. It's not just about climbing. You know, it's, as I said, it's climbing. It's part of my life. Many 
people's life and and yet it's it's how you go through life it's um and a lot of stuff that helps you climbing helps your life in general like mitigating stress you know managing your stress level know um, how your body and how your brain supports your decisions or not um, how to be active how to calm the system down and just not be just a passenger you know it's like a lot of times you feel like yo i'm really exhausted and and or I, i'm really down and then people think yeah that's just the person no it's actually not you that is down it's it's your body your mind only reacts on stimulus from outside or inside it's just emotions feelings whatever it's it's basically a reaction on what happens around you and so that's really powerful you know and and you see it's oh, okay it's just my body my mind reacting that way hmm, it's interesting now i'm totally stressed out and why am i actually at this moment totally stressed out and and then you can start to work on this you know it's it's not just there anymore and it's just you get more of a captain of your boat it's still when there's a rough sea you know it's still um pretty um rough and it goes up and down and it's maybe uncomfortable but still i rather like to have at least a bit of a steering wheel and and um, some power with the machines to get to go forward or backward and to not just being pushed left and right and what's happening now mm. and what the heck um yeah it's it's super powerful that's why i i like that so much to yeah it's just how we go through life and and how we understand and can manage life in a, in a better way so we have a, a better life in the end because come on that's what i mean with the russian approach you know it's 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 whatever people go like yeah you have to train really hard and um you have to do a lot of sacrifice and otherwise there 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 will be no reward or you will get nothing or whatever and and it's no it's it's not the way to to frame that okay for your brain because your brain doesn't like sacrifice again mm. it wants to preserve energy if your brain if you tell your brain this is a sacrifice you have to do your brain will do everything to sabotage <laughs> that's the self-sabotage yeah. thing you know yeah so don't do it don't do it don't do it and um <laughs> whatever it maybe will not happen so reframe okay mm. it's not it, it's a basic principle okay it's, it's in economy we we say to this um opportunity costs so it's whatever you do um you cannot do something else at the same time and it's this just life you know it's a, it, you spend a dinner um you get invited to a dinner and it's actually not for free even if you don't have to pay because you cannot go at the same time training in the gym mm. as you maybe wanted to so you have to sacrifice the training for the dinner it's like no that's not a sacrifice that's just a priority it's just i would like to do both i cannot and i make a decision okay i go to dinner with you i go training tomorrow um you know people are too strict as well it's like i have to go training it's on my plan it's like no <laughs> then you feel really shit and you're really down and you're really not ahead and you had a really stressful day and you have no energy no then you stay at home you relax you give your body and your mind time to relax the rest you go the next day or the, the day after the next day mm. it's 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 important to be 
um, consistent, really important. Everybody knows that. But in the long term, okay, it doesn't matter at all if you train Wednesday or Thursday. <laughs> I have friends, they freak out when they cannot train. Like two rest days in a row, they think they just can't climb anymore. Okay, that's a mindset problem for sure. Maybe they feel a bit stiff, whatever, but it's, you know, there's enough research showing that um, people who were training a lot, then they stopped training and they were having benefits up to three weeks. Their strength increased after a full stop of training. Imagine three weeks. For most people, it's around two weeks, whatever. So if you miss out one week of training, who cares? Nobody cares. Your body will say thank you because you should have one week kind of a this deload week thing every month for um, two months at least to just let your body and mind a bit recover. And it really doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Just um, no, don't train when you don't feel to it, at least not in high intensity. Mm -hmm. Then you maybe have an easy session, just play around, totally okay. But you have to be ready when you want to push hard, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and that's what I mean. So don't tell your brain you're you're going to do um, a sacrifice because um, no, then it will um, it will it will fight you. Mm. Um, I want to reiterate something you said. You just shared. I mean, that was so incredible. There's so much there that we can all learn and and take from. And thank you for all that. Um, I want to reiterate something you said. I love the strategy that you just laid out with that 20 move boulder problem, like breaking it into four, five move boulders and trying to do them all twice in a session rather than immediately making links. Like it's, it's interesting. That's, it's so smart. And I think I do that. A lot of us do that intuitively to some degree, but we, I'm kind of reflecting right now, like listening to you say all this and thinking like, man, I could probably be a lot more tactical with some of my harder projects where it's so tempting to, as soon as you finally figure out the crux move, you know, you do it once or twice and then you immediately try to link the thing rather than mm -hmm. doing the crux move five times in a session or, you know, a five move section or whatever. But I wanted to ask you this. I think ninja skills is probably a good example because I, I believe that is a longer boulder problem, maybe 20 mm -hmm. moves or so. At what point do you feel ready to start trying it from the beginning? <laughs> and maybe you can, mm -hmm. you know, you can give us those, if that four sections of five moves is one workout that you would do, what are some progressions towards finally just trying the thing? How do you know when you're ready? Yeah, that's a good one. Good question. And it's highly individual, I think, as well, depending again on the boulder. Where is the crux? Um, what is the crux? Is it the single heart move at the beginning, at the end? Um, um, what kind of move? What kind of move it is? But um, I think, yeah, it's, it's trial and error as well. And it depends how much of a limit it is. You know, it's like sometimes it works out, you use the crux sequence and you know, you feel like you're ready, you go. But when it gets real limit or when it's um, even above your limit and you feel like you need more time to get stronger or let's say you tried a few times and then you always fall off at the end, a few moves short and you just can tell it's just the moves feel too hard. It takes too much um, so you don't get the whole thing done. Then it's one thing would be again to just 
pay attention to the to the endurance part and then people start to do whatever go route climbing stuff like that it's like no um i wouldn't suggest i mean can be fun for other things but as i said when it's really a power endurance problem and i had i'm like really could see big progress really starting with this just the other year and this year in spring to really go methodological um as i said work the single parts for even if it's really really hard for you even for a few sessions until you feel that these parts really get easier and that you can do maybe at the start you maybe can do five like attempts on these five part boulders and i try them to be around or feel around 80% hard mm. like this relative um how you say in english the the term is um um i think rpa as a relative performance exhausted blah blah just it, oh relative perceived exertion yeah yeah exactly thank you steven yeah, yeah relative perceived exertion so should feel around um then an 8 um has turned to be a pretty pretty good um point where you get the benefits of like getting stronger when you did 5 6 7 moves so you're really into um like strength training there and not going to 100% is important because and that's what many climbers do very wrong me included for years it's like always going to failure you know always going all in and getting so trashed um you need days or weeks to recover and there you always see the problem when you go all in it just takes too long to recover so it has been shown you go to the 8 instead of the 10 or to 80% um you get more or less the same benefits in strength but um you recover way faster so that's really helpful too and that means it's hard but you can control the climbs and then you will see you maybe at the start you can do 5 and then you maybe can do 6 you can do 7 you can do 8 it will go up and that means it's not only your strength getting better but it's also your um power endurance getting better at the same time and it's actually what you want to have you know it's when you get stronger the climbs will feel easier and then you will link it through then so that's that's the thing and you want to have your your maximum strength and your power endurance at the very high level and that's a bit hard to get because when you only train max strength you will lack in power endurance if you only train power endurance you will lack on maximum strength and to get both at the same point that's a really good way to go for it and then i combine it with a little hangboard warm up or workout to have that in as well and then i can measure on the hangboard my strength on the on the crimps and i've seen it like being on top level and then on the same time i could do like 5 6 7 8 so i've seen my power endurance going up and in the end as i said when i had reached this like six seven eight times i started to make bigger links just to clarify that's that's six or seven or eight laps on that five move section yeah okay got it exactly yeah. or different sections doesn't matter just in total than like eight okay. attempts so in the end i was doing that in magic wood as well i um, mean yeah and i think i was one session i had like i climbed six times the stand start to il trail called woven hand like 8b v13 Wow. So whatever something like this. So 6 to 8 around 8B boulders and then I felt ready like for the projects which are then just not 80% but for me 
which then goes into V15, V16, whatever. And this has just, for me then, I was able to climb full throttle and just didn't have my power going down at all. Like just, and I felt strong. I didn't have to fight on the moves. I could really feel like I had another strength level on the single moves. And then still, I'm failing on the very last move, um, kind of. Um, so I couldn't send, but again, was not failure. Learning a lot, that's another concept. No need to send. I had a really good time. I was um, out there climbing in nature on really cool climbs, really cool rock. And I had my progress there, you know, as I said, like I could feel like I was getting closer and closer. So I'm already looking forward to next season, <laughs> next summer, maybe hiking up in spring with my split board and digging the thing out and giving it some early tries because it can be really good when there is not a lot of snow and there is not a lot of rain. It's usually super dry because problem in summer is it rains more and then it starts to seep because it's some cracks in there, in that wall. And sometimes it's pretty good early in the season, but the road is closed, so you can't get there because it's a high mountain, high altitude pass. So the road opens maybe in June. So I just take my split board and make a nice split board. <laughs> That's awesome. Up. What, you know. what climb is this and where is it? Um, yeah, that's that's just where this Highlander block. Um, again, you see it sometimes I don't go far. After spending 13 years there, I have another one. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just another line I've seen there. It's, it's the, can I say on the, on the left, it's, um, yeah, super cool moves, just super fun. And I thought like, oh, I'm close. It will just take a few sessions. And that was like six years ago. <laughs> so, yeah, whatever. You see, it's, it's, it's the same and same theme for me. But as I said, it's just for me, it's, it's what I like, what inspires me. For me, it works really well. For others, maybe not. And it's really, it's, I think what you can take home and what you can learn is not how to go as well 150 times to the same boulder, but um, just how to approach your own projecting, like in that way, like ask yourself what you really like about climbing, about bouldering. So just be, just be happy with what you what you get that you get outside that you be able to climb and also to maybe just also congratulate for a bit because as you did as many of us did it's not so easy to organize your life to be able to do that so that needs some sacrifices it's like you can't do everything at all i could have had a career in business in banking as a master in business and economy I had um, connections up there. I could have like whatever earned shitload of money and have whatever high paid um, job, but it's not what I wanted for me. I wanted to be outside. I want to go climbing. And um, so, yeah, it, it takes a lot for everybody um, at one point. And I think it's, it's cool to see how everybody makes it happen or everybody, like a lot of people somehow make it happen as you, as other ones. Um, to able to be out there and be climbing more or less, just getting out on the weekend, whatever. But um, yeah, it's really it's really cool to see, and it's something special. Okay, it's not the norm. It's as I said, our brain would like us to stay at home, and if you get out like for two two trainings a week, and if you get out on the weekend to the rock and you drive several hours, that's not the norm, and that's 
that's actually really cool and you can be really proud everybody can be mm. can be really proud um to be a to yeah to do that and to not just sit at home and watch netflix all day which can be fun on a rest day as well. mm. i love that sure. that's a really yeah that's a really powerful and positive message thanks for that yeah yeah. That's something, I mean, we get so hung up on how much we suck because we haven't sent our project yet. You know, it's it's easy to forget yeah. how much work yeah. we're putting and it, in. It shouldn't. Yeah. And it shouldn't, you know, again, it it's for me, it's really, really, that's really the core. It's like, and I get sucked into it as well, you know, but just right now I'm, I'm like, again, for like three months falling on the last two moves on a project I have. And it's just stalling and it feels like I would just need the one try. That's my thing. I get so close everything. Just one more move and then it just doesn't happen. And you clap constantly there, whatever. And then for me, sure, I would like to finally finish that one because, okay, only two years. So mini, mini project. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so only two years on that one. Um, and it was not intended to be a project at all. I wanted to do something easier for me after climbing dream time. And then I broke a crux hold. It mm. got harder, but then I found out I can still do it. And it's a beautiful line. It's amazing moves. It's super setting. So I'm just all in again. Um, but again, it's just, then I have to remind me as well. I mean, it's okay. How to deal with it. You can be, and you should be um, able to, express some kind of frustration it's helpful i mean when you go down on the last move on your project that's not coming down and okay could be the first time you know yeah last move that's actually a nice achievement but come on we want to send so that's maybe not something you celebrate too hard yeah the best thing that happened i went down on the last move <laughs> and i even broke a leg oh that's the best thing that ever happened it's like no that's know how um, a positive process oriented mindset works. Okay. That sucks. And, and it's even helpful. Okay. Be frustrated, but just for a moment, let mm. out the steam can be a scream um, can be some cursing can be even a shoe like going wherever, but don't hurt um, anybody in the process, please. And <laughs> not the boulder. Yeah. Kick the boulder. And that will help because you will get the feedback instantly. It's painful. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, it's like, let it out. And then it's okay. And then just try to remember yourself. Hey, you actually climbed to the last move. It's pretty, pretty awesome. Because whatever, a few weeks ago, you could barely do the single moves. Um, and that's, that's good, whatever performance. And then if it doesn't work, another thing, it's, it's a lot of people always say, again, the Russian method, it's like, don't look for excuses. You know, a lot of coaches are like, there are no excuses, just train harder. Blah, blah. And I'm like, yes, no, totally wrong. Look for as many excuses as you get because it's really helpful. What do I mean? Um, it's not going excuses as an excuse for an excuse to quit, but an excuse to analyze kind of, okay, mm. Now you had a really hard week with a lot of work, with a lot going on. You didn't sleep well. This is not an excuse, but it's an explanation why you maybe didn't perform that well on your project. Totally. And it's not an excuse. That's a fact. As I said, it's kind of your system runs on sleep, okay, in the long term. And stress, if it's too much for a long time, also affects 
effects negatively your performance. There are actually really nice studies showing what stress controls in your brain. Okay, just shuts the muscles down despite they would have some glycogen left. Imagine that. And now when you know how the brain works, you can actually fight that. Okay, but that's, that's another one. Um, just to finish that one. Okay, so um, you get down and you, f- you look for excuses for explanations. And because then also conditions. Okay, there's just a few of us that always send for most people, if you're climbing at your limit, conditions still matter. And this is a big thing, okay? If you ever climbed in font or whatever friction-dependent area, um, there are moves you simply can't do if the friction is just not on point. And then you come back a day later, you may be way less fit, whatever, strong, and you just cruise, okay? So conditions is a thing. And, and whatever. And and now what you do is you take this and you try to make it better next time, okay? So, okay, I had... I didn't sleep enough, whatever, my eating was off, whatever. Um, then you try to optimize that for your next session, the next weekend. And that's how you can learn so much about failing. You know, you have to analyze what went wrong, like look for excuses, like what explains it. And then I always tell my people, look for as many as you get, like five, even list me 10 why it didn't work and then because then we have 10 things we can work on Mm. okay and and make it better or the skin was off you know skin care so important i've really sweaty skin if it's too soft it doesn't work so but there is stuff like everybody knows these days like from um anti-hydral rhino skin you can harden your skin um but you have to be careful do it right whatever Stuff like this is really important. If skin is too sweaty, you slip off the crocs hold, sure. But then make sure next week you try to get the skin ready. Ah, okay. Do this. Oh, friction is way better. You tick or you send your project. Okay. And then in the end of the day, always just, yeah, just be, be thankful for what you got. You know, it's like you got a day out. You were climbing, as I said, what you really like about climbing. You didn't send, yeah, who cares? Because I want to climb. Sending, it's just icing on the cake. And then this kind of mindset or approach also will enable you to maybe then spend more days on a project you want to send without getting all crazy about it. Because it's not about sending, it's just about learning, getting better, doing some progress, eventually sending if not okay i don't mind i go to the next one and keep on with the process and so there is no point um in 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 freaking out you know but it's it's a really important concept to 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 um because you know there are people and that that's a big one actually it's um climbing don't doesn't go well they don't send their project and then okay they are frustrated Okay, we, we, we said it's part, it's normal that these feelings come. Don't push it away. Let it come, react properly, like let the steam off. And then, but then some people take it with them and then they have a bad day, they have a bad, bad evening, they maybe even have a bad week, you know, and it's just really, this doesn't have to be that way 
because that's then the decision you make for yourself. You know, you take that little thing that happens and take it as an excuse to be grumpy now all the time. Now, just ask yourself, does this help um, for your training? Um, does it help for your whatever, your friends, because they will maybe feel grumpy too. They will get pissed and annoyed. And this just, um, I just know, doesn't have to be that way. Okay, just know. Mm. And I just tell you, me, it was not that thing all the time. I had like, um, uh, I was going pretty wild with myself and I was falling off my project, actually ninja skills. Okay. And it was going so far that my wife, um, which joined me a lot, then we mostly she climbed first and I climbed in the evening, but she supported me a lot. And at one point she was um, putting earplugs in her ears. And I was like, what the heck are you doing? And I was like, I can't listen to you. Like, you know, like I was like insulting myself, mm. like talking not so nicely with me when I was slipping down or missing a hold or then I was too late because conditions already bad or I forgot the battery or whatever. And I got real angry with myself. And at one point she walked away, even with earplugs. And it was just, I can't listen to this anymore because we married. I really like you. And I think you, you're pretty cool and whatever. And now you go here and you talk, like talk to yourself. Like I would never, ever think these things about you. So mm -hmm. it was a real issue for her. And I was like, that really got me thinking. And I was starting to do some digging as well. And turns out it's really important how you talk to yourself. Okay. Um, because your unconscious mind again just listens and it listens to what information it gets from your surroundings and whatever input you get from your surroundings your your brain puts a picture or a movie kind of together what you are the story okay and this gets formed from your environment and your environment it's also what you talk to yourself so when you go like all the time like you idiot and you loser and whatever thing you can talk if you repeat that enough this kind of sticks in your unconscious brain and then your unconscious brain takes that story of you and makes you behave that way it's like um of the story it has from yourself and we run 90% of our day, many people don't know, up to 95% per day, we run on that unconscious mind, not with our conscious mind. And so you want to make sure that this unconscious mind runs and we come back to that team of supports you in the decisions you make and has kind of a story or a picture of yourself that supports what you're up to, you know, because... This is then kind of mindset too. It's like, oh, are you an athlete or not? And then many people, clients, I was calling them, it's like they are not pros. Like most of them say, no, I'm not an athlete. I'm just, you know, it's like just a hobby. And then you start to talk like how much they spend time and they they organize their life in a way they can, can, can climb, they watch what they eat, everything. And it's like, no, that's more than just a hobby. It's like, that's, that's an athlete and if you get this mindset in it's like your unconscious brain then you don't have to think so hard about diet or training or because an athlete is doing this is doing that is doing this automatically you know autonomously so wow. that's why it is important and 
And that's why it's so important to be really careful how you talk to yourself. Hi. <laughs> Hi. I'm keeping I'm keeping him up late. In Hueco Tanks. Yeah. Yeah, I was just talking about the story um, from Ninja Skills where you walked away. First the earplugs and then you walked away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was really, really a key moment for mm -hmm. me, like made me realize a lot. And I really have changed it drastically since then. Um, because, you know, you can make that easy, that easy test would be how will you react when you pour your glass of water over your new computer, Stephen? How would you talk to yourself? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Probably freak the fuck out is what I would do. Sure, yeah. Sure. Everybody does. Eh? Yeah. Would the words be nice? Maybe not. Eh? <laughs> no. Like I would go crazy. Like back in the day, I would be all over like you idiot, not again. You're even too stupid to whatever, you know, hmm. stuff like this. And it's pretty heavy. And I know people, they go constantly like this, like <laughs> really hard on them. And now what would you say when your friend is doing this, you know? Mm. How would you talk to your friend? Would you tell your friend like you're the greatest idiot, whatever? You always, you always breaking stuff. You're too stupid, whatever. There are nice words. Would you? No, uh, right. Of course what not. What would you yeah, say? You'd, you'd feel. What would you say? You'd feel empathy and compassion. You'd feel horrible for yeah. them. You'd want to make them feel and better. What would and... you say to? What would you say to your friend? Like literally, what would be the words? It's okay. It's like mistakes happen. Yeah. It's, you know, it's no big deal. You can get a new laptop, things like yeah. that. And yeah. how would it make him feel compared to when you tell him, yeah, he's a total idiot. <laughs> it's, it's a big difference, isn't it? Right. And what we don't realize is that our unconscious brain reacts in the same way. Mm -hmm. It sucks in the information and it stores. And um, so the same when you fall off the last move of a problem, or whatever mistake you do, you know, it's like, what would you say your friend? What do you say to your friend when he misses the last move of his project? Would you go like, you idiot, you never will get up that project. You always blow it up. <laughs> mm. It's maybe not, huh? maybe right. different words. Totally. Mm. Yeah, you'd be like, oh, yeah. dude, you're going to do this thing. You're so close. That was yeah. awesome. That was such a good try. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. how have you turned things around? What do you tell yourself? And I'd also yeah, love to ask, that's like, it. that's mm -hmm. it, what I just said? Mm -hmm. it's, it's actually just talk to yourself as you would to your best friend, your spouse, I your love better that. significant other. And it's, it's not a hard thing, but just try as an exercise. Just whatever happens, just be, just talk to yourself as you would to your, yeah to your best friend, uh, significant other, wife, spouse, whatever, man. And this will actually change a lot. And just, as I said, you go down for sure, whatever. First reaction, get off with the steam. And it actually even has been shown, has, has shown to be um, um, helpful for um, learning, actually, to have this bit of like, like, energy spike again this hmm. is a lot of adrenaline going through and this has been shown to enable neuroplasticity which is basically learning like new connections in neurons happens best when there is like uh, amplifying in the nervous system and best will be actually after 
the thing you try to learn. This is true for motor learning, climbing, as well as if you want to learn a language. Um, you have to be focused and alert. So at the beginning, you have to like amp the system. And that's what don't not many people know, even at the end. And so a little bit of this frustration, like this little peak, will actually even make it easier for your brain to learn what happened before. Um, so it makes it even, even better. So it's not all bad about frustration. And it's really not about, you know, like talking some bad stuff into some good stuff. As you said, you know, when you, when you break your leg, that's not fun. That really sucks, you know. But now it's up to you what you do afterwards. I ripped off my hamstrings a few years ago, like Oof. six years ago, like totally off. I couldn't um, move my leg anymore. It's like I ripped Ouch. the ligaments out of the hip bone. They were gone like by 15 centimeters, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, while climbing. Um, too motivated. Last move on my Highlander project. Huh? Mm. After like whatever, 12, 13 years, one more move and just... And I ripped them off. And people, my my girlfriend at that time as well, she was like, now he goes crazy. He can't go climbing. He can't move. He will go crazy because I had surgery. I was forced to be at home for two months. I couldn't bear weight. Um, eight months till I could go back to climbing. And then I just killed my meniscus, right? And had another three months rest. So that was kind of a year. Um, <laughs> so everybody was like, he is going crazy. And I was like, yeah, for sure, it was a shock and it really sucked um, big time because I wanted to climb. But then it's kind of, as I said, it's what we call in economics, it's sunk costs. It happened. I cannot change it anymore. But what I can change is what comes from now. So I put all my energy and focus into rehab and just it was a hassle to get somebody who could do the surgery because it's not well known in Switzerland. You have to have a um, surgeon that is experienced. So I really literally had to figure to find a surgeon. I was Googling um, med papers about which kind of surgery. So in the end, I was discussing surgery procedure with my surgeon. Um, but it's just what I do. You know, it's like I'm trained. I, I studied. I know how this goes. So it doesn't matter what you do. You know what you have to do. You, you're hitting the literature. You get the knowledge, you you see the paper, you got the basic training in statistics, so you know how this works. And and then, yeah, you apply that and then it just put everything into recovery. And I had a pretty good time, actually. What, what was freaking me out the most, what is the best winter since decades, <laughs> so much snow. My friends sent me texts, you know, powder, powder, powder. Uh. And this, I just had to, I had to block them literally. Like, I didn't open the mail anymore. Now, that's maybe another trick, you know, I just couldn't take it. That mm. was too much at that yeah. point. That was physical pain because I'm living 20 minutes from the mountains. So in powder snow, that's the other big, um, big loss <laughs> in the mountains. Um, but still, yeah. So made full recovery, crushed my meniscus. That was nearly worse because I was so close to climbing again. Mm. It's like, no, like broken in two parts and locked my knee and I could not first it was my leg I couldn't use then I couldn't <laughs> use the knee but I got lucky there again didn't need surgery and just waited it out and lucky me I had enough stem cells kind of seemed to um yeah fix all the things together yeah, but that was a year off basically so sooner or later 
that maybe happens. But but as I said, you know, it's it's that that sunk cost thing, and and that's a thing how our brain again works. It's like when I'm in the movies, all the time somebody complains about the movie, and then and then in the end, I always go over to them and just ask them out of curiosity, why did you stay? Why didn't you go home? You know, it's like we have a break after half of the movie, and then they all say, yeah, but we paid. Mm. It's like hmm. Okay, yeah, you paid. Now see, you paid the amount of money. Money is gone, doesn't come back. Now this is the cost of your experience in the movie. Now when you stay and the movie sucks, you put more like cost on top. So if you would have left, the cost is maybe this. Now you stayed, it's even worse, you know? But everybody stays. And now out of a perspective from an economist, this is hard to get because it's not rational, you know, and we have this rational, like homo economicus, like this rationality approach, how, how people behave in a rational way. They always think in benefits and costs, and then they do the best decision. Turns out, and that was what I was really interested in, um, this nearly never applies, okay? It's like our human brain has so many flaws, so many biases. You can Google on Wikipedia, there is like, a super nice graphic, 180 biases. So when our brain doesn't act um, rationally and there is IKEA bias and really interesting stuff. So um, it's just short, long story short, our brain nearly never acts purely um, rational. It's always somehow irrational. And when you know that then you also know that you should be a bit careful with intuition because that's usually the unconscious brain it can be really right it can be super wrong as well so it just helps you know i know okay and i'm prone to that too it's like okay but you do it's like your decisions are are really bad okay sometimes because you cannot calculate right in that moment and when you know these flaws you can just manage this a bit better and then yeah as we said you've fallen down and now do you take this as an excuse and be angry and grumpy for the rest of your life no okay it's not what i want it's not what helps me to get my projects done um and it's just a miserable life anyway mm. you know so and that's not the point as i said it's it cannot be the point we go training and beat ourselves up and that's so hard and so painful and it's just a really shitty time just to get up a boulder problem or a climb. It's like, no, <laughs> no, definitely not. Okay, it doesn't have to be that way. It's just that. Mm. Um, there is hard work, as we said, that's my gym. You have to spend the time somewhere, either in the gym or either on the boulder. But that means just it doesn't really matter where you train, what you train. But to to get to a certain point, you need to invest some time. That now sounds strange. Or you just need to spend some time in doing something to get better at it. If this is your goal, that's also important. You know, it's it's not everybody's goal to constantly like challenge themselves and want to progress um, can be a goal, perfect, but can also be a goal to just have a good time.
time and be out there and move and do many different boulders and see many different areas. And yeah, it's you really have to figure out what's important for yourself. But when you know you want to get better at something, then yeah, better and um, better watch out to to go for it. And how is it the saying in, in English, magic bullets, I think, shortcuts, yeah. you know, that's yeah. also one. It's like everybody goes like, there are no shortcuts, there is no magic bullets. You have to put in the hard work and take years of tears and suffering. And like, yeah, come on, guys. Um, yeah, then we better do something else, okay? Because as I said, um, it's, there is actually stuff like this, you know, really basic magic bullets um just to speed up the process you know it's like when you as you had your talk with steve Maish, who really helped you build up that program for a week or you build your pyramid you made your progress that's a magic bullet mm. that's a shortcut because you can get every information for yourself out of the internet these days that's not the problem all the knowledge is out there but there's so much and it would take so much time and energy and time you know to experiment what works what doesn't work so if you can get information which is already filtered and um, tested then you're just progressing way faster you know not just as we started back in the day we we had no clue at all you know like scrambling in the mountains barely knowing what a harness is like belaying uh, uh, okay we, we try this we try that um bouldering we had no clue training what is this we just you know trashed ourselves the first gym opened in zurich i remember we climbed for six hours straight and then we went to the boulder gym till we just couldn't hang on the biggest bolts anymore and yeah that was good training feeling totally wasted totally destroyed but we were thinking like that's the way to go <laughs> turns out there are maybe um better ways to do it and, and so there's a lot you know stuff like this you can speed up the process a lot and with all these technical tricks and and i was the first and i should have patented this like to bring that that makita to a rock i think never seen it before but to bring what that's hard to get a ventilator Oh, the, the, rock, the fan, know? yeah, yeah. Um, the fan thing, because in Magic Wood, there is a lot of caves. There is nearly no wind, usually. And so it's damp, and I have sweaty skin. And I was like, the few windy days felt like magic. And then I was just, okay, that's a problem. How we solve it? And I was like, yeah, how we get the wind into the cave? And I was like, yeah, there are battery-powered ventilators. Okay, let's get one. And for me, it was game change, you know, because suddenly, ah, oh, friction on the holds, and I could climb the thing. And now you can say, okay, that's a bit weird. It maybe is, because bouldering used to be so basic, you know, only pad, chalk, and shoes. And now you see people with lights, ventilators, um, harness, rope, um, you name it. It can get pretty logistic. But again, there, it's up to you. You can have it super basic, perfectly fine. And I like it from time to time, for sure, as well. But then it's also really interesting. I mean, how far can you get? And what are all the little tricks and try to optimize everything? It's problem solving. And that's what I think it's it's really fun and to experiment. And I'd say always, you know, just getting stronger, that's kind of easy. <laughs> um, and not at the same time, for sure, but just being smart and 
all that little stuff, trying different tools and stuff like this mm. um, can be a big difference yeah, and will make a big difference. Well, that's a good lead-in. I'd wanted to ask you, what sort of things account for your progress after age 40? That's something that's really interesting to me. I think you just turned 44 recently, if I'm if I'm mm. getting that right. Yeah. And uh, from a message you had sent me, you've sent basically all of your hardest climbs after age 40, which is so inspiring, so awesome. Um, you've already touched on probably a lot of these different things in this conversation, but are there any specific things, changes in tactics or strategy or, or things that have allowed for that progression that maybe you wish you'd started doing earlier in your climbing career? Um, yeah, anything you'd point to or recommendations for people? Yeah, yeah, that's, 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 that's a good one. Um, and actually, it's, um, you know, I got a lot of, over the years, always like got a lot of emails with people asking like the same similar situation and um yeah asked for for maybe with questions and help and and if you sit down and do that really if you want to do it right then it takes an hour or two every time and that was actually how i then got into like putting up my own coaching as a business because i was like hey man this is now getting just out of hand and it's getting too much and i can't do that besides the the regular top on my own climbing so yeah then let's try that job you know so i can do both and and it's really big fun because it's exactly that what we all talked tonight it's everybody is different and it's really problem solving every time and it's like climbing different problems different projects it's like as a client it's a project we have to solve a problem and just twist and try and and it's really what I like and then solve the problem so it fits for, for for the person. And for myself, it was really a mindset thing. That's that's also because it's now at the base of my coaching as well. I mean, intuitively, I did a lot right over the times as well, but I never really had the mechanistics and and um or it was not so clear or I didn't do the links for myself, but um it really started with that um, little story I told you before with my wife walking away. And I was really starting to go back to the literature I had in, in university about, about um, behavioral economics and the psychology training, training in psychology I had for my teacher degree and um, neuropsychology. And then it suddenly started to make, to click for myself to to see the connections going through everything how everything suddenly made sense what i said to you was like that that when you get your mindset um supporting you that everything else falls in place that you don't have to fight anymore there's no constant um friction and then this was actually the point where then all these projects just started to fall in place and and come together um, the start really was that that mindset thing at this base level to twist and turn around my mindset from this like, which is a natural program. Some have it more prominent, some have it less. Like really, this like getting really quickly, really angry um, with myself, and also um, yeah, being tense and jumping on stuff, and also being super tense all the time. 
um, and just being realizing what it was and so i could make these connections and then i changed my training according to that i changed how i spent my time as i said with all that mindset stuff from rock um changed the training and changed diet as well so everything came kind of together i gained that's also an interesting story eight kilos in three years um and um still then was able last year to climb my most grimpy problems with um, dream time and new baseline and even from a sit down start in magic wood which i wasn't able to do with eight kilos less before i tried that approach didn't work so i started like getting real stronger packed on more muscles got stronger and then finally was able to to crimp that down but it really was that that mind that shift in mindset um yeah, that changed and puffed away, um, yeah, to everything. Mm. And for sure, mostly be mindful because of rest. Like, as I said, maybe even getting more rest, um, doing the right stuff at the right time. And then, as I said, I changed how I approached the projects. Before, I was more like started all the time doing links from the start, just burned out. And then I switched to what we discussed, like more focus on getting stronger on everything and then started to link. But this all just started with with the mindset first, as I said, because when you get that one sorted, everything else falls in place and feels and is way easier. And it's kind of sustainable as well, you know, because you don't have that friction going on all the time, these fights um with your with your unconscious brain and there's some little exercises you can do you know it sounds kind of stupid but um it's like take a little cold shower every day Mm. um because my unconscious brain is like don't do it it's so (laughs) painful i hate it i hate it um you don't have to life is hard enough you know take the warm shower um stuff like this and i'm like no no now I want to take a cold shower. And then just a quick cold shower. And there's a lot of benefits um, you can have out of cold exposure. Um, and it doesn't have to be that cold. It doesn't have to be a nice bath. Um, you get all the benefits for your cardiovascular um, system. Um, your metabolism goes up. Um, you get um, you tolerate cold better, blah, blah. Your body temperature goes actually down and not up. It's also interesting. And um, now it goes up cold it goes up if you get warm ex- hot exposure your body temperature drops interesting um as well so that's why you take a warm shower before bed and it mm. cools down yeah, your body so you sleep better um but as i said this little cold shower thing why is it so such a good little exercise is that i willingly go against what my unconscious brain wants me to do so i i do something what I don't want to do. It's unpleasant. It's uncomfortable, you know, but I do it nevertheless. And this enables me to form a circuit in my brain where my conscious brain overrules the decision of the unconscious brain. And when you do that over and over again, this is learning. This is how you make connections in your brain stronger, which makes it easier for it to function. 
And it's then actually the same brain pattern you take when there's also other decisions to make. So not just the cold shower, other decisions during your daily life when your unconscious brain says, go there, and your conscious brain says, no, no, we don't do that, we do this. And so when you then get in such a situation, it will be way easier because your brain makes use of that um, um, brain pattern you formed during the little cold shower to make use of it. Um, it's way easier than to overrule your, your unconscious brain and do actually what you what you want to do and not just go with what your little me, 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 me <laughs> here um, tells you what is best for you. And, you know, that's this comfort zone thing. It's many people say, yeah, you have to stay out of your comfort zone uh, because only their growth is possible. It's like, mm, I would be more expand your comfort zone because when you step too far out your comfort zone, this is uncomfortable. Your unconscious brain doesn't like this at all. Um, and it maybe will bail and it will make you stop or whatever, react with a lot of stress. And so by these little, just little things, you can actually expand your comfort zone. And then when your comfort zone expands, you can do all things too, but with way less, again, friction between your systems. And this will make it way, way easier. Okay, so don't, go too far out, just do the little things, just step a little bit out of comfort zone so you expand it and um, will be way, way easier. And I mm -hmm. think that's anyway one of the things for me, one of the key mindset things is that I train my brain to like unpleasant stuff. Okay? Because when it likes the unpleasant stuff, it's not unpleasant anymore. It's the same thing with long drives. You know, it's like Ticino, two and a half hour drive one way. That's maybe not too long, but after work, it's quite long um, and back. And so many people are like, I couldn't do it. Um, it's too far. And then I had another project in Franca Neura, which was a thousand kilometer drive back and forth. So 10 hours in the car. That's maybe a bit stupid, but I compensated for my CO2 at least. Um, and it didn't took two years, but still a few sessions. But just, you know, many people are like, I couldn't drive. It's just my mind doesn't allow me to do it. It's like, yeah, okay. But now you can actually turn your mind into like that drive. And then again, what you do, okay, I have a nice cup of coffee. I have good food. I have good music or then good podcasts or whatever. And it goes so far that afterwards, when I was done, the shorter drives to Ticino felt too short. <laughs> because, man, I couldn't finish my second podcast, whatever, you know, my, my second class I had, and um, I want to learn more, whatever. Um, it went so far, it was really part of the experience. And I went from, I hated it too, because it was unpleasant, sitting in the car, there is traffic, blah, blah, blah. But then when you know how you can trick your brain, I made it to like it. And then it supported me. And then it was, yeah, let's go for that drive. Perfect. Wow. So I was there again in front of Nura, trying my project and climbing it eventually. And, and this is just possible when you understand how your brain works. I mean, a lot of people do it out, uh, intuitively right, but it's just then you're guessing around and something works and other things don't work. But when you actually know the mechanisms, it's way more powerful because you can 
yeah, you really can decide, okay, now I have a problem. What is the solution? Ah, oh, okay, this sucks. So how can I turn this into it sucks way less? Mm. And it's with training the same. You know, it's like you have to put some incentives around training. Best is to link them with a dopamine response in your brain. And as your brain wants more dopamine, it will then just push you <laughs> to have we more have a visitor. Training. Hello, Puna. <laughs> yeah. Say hi to Puna. Normally she comes when she hears um yeah. She hears um, a speaker because she's really <laughs> into um voices out of the speaker. And oh, usually funny. always says hi. Actually, all my clients know Puna because um she always comes and has to say has to say hi. Mm. Um, my love, would you mind to bring me some power, please? I need some more battery power because I'm running out of gas on my. What, what do you desire else? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. And yeah. We. Yeah. This is you and I could talk for hours. This is just amazing, but um, mm-hmm. I do want to respect your time. I know it's getting late over there, so. I think it's probably time yeah, to... it's 11, so usually I go for the warm-up. <laughs> usually by now, and then I will have my first try at 12, so we're I just getting it. warm here. I love it. Well, um, I want to ask a couple listener questions before we get off here. I don't think we're going to get to all of them. I got questions from, let's see, uh, Felix, Nicole, um, Mihail, Alistair, Cody. I don't think we'll get to all of your questions. Casca, um, but I'll, I'll tackle a few of them. This one got some mm-hmm. upvotes. This is from Nicole. How does Martin deal with making negative progress on these mega projects? And for you, for you, this is a mini project. Um, or you just don't see improvement for a while. What does he, when does he walk away? What factors into those kinds of decisions for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's a really, really good question because that's my main driver. You know, it's as long as I can see progress, I'm perfectly fine. I don't have to send. Um, if there is progress, if I can only do a sequence a bit better or um, a better feeling or I find some new micro beta, just anything. Or despite maybe I had a rough day, I still was climbing kind of good. But then, yeah, and it's actually right now I'm, in a, such a situation again, where I'm just, it's stalled since now, whatever, over two months going this like second last move, just don't get it together. Um, how you deal with it or how I deal with it. Um, as I said, it's, I remember myself, like why I'm there. It's like, okay, I like to climb, to be outdoors, to have maybe a nice solo session, to maybe meet some nice people, and yeah, and it's it's literally that. And it already starts, as I said, with the drive. It's actually, I'm looking forward to the drive because then I can attend a class on a podcast, learn something. Um, and I'm so looking forward. It's actually already, for me, a successful session now when I'm just sitting there. Actually, the drive there, then I'm sitting there. I enjoy the view, like mindfully, really, being there in the present and just wow it's just beautiful and it's really cool to be out here and to be able to climb and what this does it it puts me that's before i actually start to climb you know and so that really helps me to to get my mind and you could measure that if you could 
pull out the, the chemicals in my brain, mm. it, it gets again like dopamine, serotonin, um, all these chemicals associated with like, um, like well-being and um, drive and motivation into my brain. So that already means like I have a, I have a different starting point than many people who maybe are stressed from the drive, already stressed out by the rock, stressed out by the week. And so I have a way better buffer to whatever stress now comes okay behind so and that's also very important now on the drive to the rock you know if somebody cuts you off it's like before i would go all like idiot and go whatever you know all crazy like what many people do now is this beneficial does this help for my climbing no i maybe even pull over do an accident because i'm freaking out you know it doesn't help to climb a project it ramps up my system so high. I mean, there's so much adrenaline and everything and stress hormone like cortisol is coming. This doesn't help either. Then for my climbing. So I really try already on the drive, that kind of mindset. If somebody cuts me off, I'm like, okay, he doesn't want, he didn't want to kill me. Obviously it was not his intention. He maybe didn't see me. It's not against me as a person. He maybe is in a in a rush, whatever. His wife maybe in the hospital, hmm. whatever. Um, getting a child. Uh, his parents maybe he's in a really hurry. And then it really you really can turn it so far that you you really feel sorry for the other guy, for the other people, or when people getting aggressive too, you know, in, in traffic or so. Then I'm really like sometimes sitting there and feel like really kind of sorry for them. I mean, what kind of a shitty life must this be to be so stressed out just because of a little incident in, um, um, in driving around in the car? It's like, and it's not cynical. Okay. It's, it's really important for me. It's not cynical. It's really, I really feel sorry for them because man, come on. It's just, they're just driving. As I said, it's like, nobody wants to hurt anybody. It's just, and people just go to the roof. It's like, whoa, holy shit i mean imagine what happens if something serious happens okay so that helps me to get to get to my climbing whatever with a, with a, with a whole other starting point and then what i do is i do my little hangboard um, warm-up and training and that actually helps me to assess my strength mm. i can measure the seconds on my phone so i know well my power my strength is on point that's the objective measurement now I go climbing on my project and I maybe make like negative progression as the listener, as um, she was asking. And that really is hard for me to deal too because, oh, it goes back. But then I know, ah, okay, my strength still was on, okay, on the hangboard. Now, why this problem, you know? So there must be an explanation. And then as I, as we talked before, I try to find as many excuses as possible um, in, in a way to have an explanation for the why. So it's really about conditions. I have a little weather station with me, just showing me the temperature and humidity. And so if it's really humid, uh, no matter, and you can tell, you feel I grease around. So that's a really good explanation why there was maybe negative progress. And we had the other problem the last few weeks. It was super dry, like below 10% humidity, which is really rare. But we had this crazy weather system with a lot of dry wind. 
I could do four moves in a row and it's whatever. I had to step down. Even the foothold started to slip. Mm. I just couldn't climb. So it sucks for sure. And I maybe even was for a moment like there, you know, when I was falling down, maybe screamed for a bit. But then I was going my for my routine and saying, okay, that means I know the weather forecast. So next time with this forecast, I just don't show up anymore. I go somewhere else because obviously there is no point. So there is no point when it's too humid. There is no point when it's um, too too dry. And it's no point when it's too cold um, because the rock is too cold, I will freeze off. So I try to analyze that. And then maybe I just felt, and that was one thing, I felt a bit more sluggish, not so energized. And I had, okay, bad sleep. My allergy showed up because there are some pollens already flying around. So I could tell, you know, I was sneezing a lot. I had bad sleep because of that. And and so, yeah, okay, there you go. If your system has to fight the pollen allergy, that really, if you have experience with that, that really can take some energy off you. So there you are. And then I took another extra rest day to be fully rested. And a week later, two weeks later, I climbed back into one move from my high point, just too cold again. Mm. Um, so I, I really think that helps me a lot to just objectify and then be okay. But I still was out. I still was able. And then it sounds like um it sounds maybe whatever a bit strange but for me it's still then i'm sitting there and yeah okay now i came short and yesterday it started to snow you know it's like okay just an hour of climbing because i came out late work blah blah and it started to snow i couldn't continue the session really was not that great but then i was sitting there and i just was watching the snowflakes coming down and it was just beautiful Mm. <laughs> it's as we, but I really was just sitting there. It's just it was so quiet because usually it tends to be a bit busy now. There's so many people climbing up there, and I was just enjoying the snow coming down. And just yeah, at least I was out there. Maybe not the best session at all, but I had my training done. It was obviously not perfect conditions. Only one rest day, so okay. See you next time with two rest days or three with better conditions and then we talk business <laughs> and it's really that man it's, yeah. it's you see it's it's really for conditions are such a huge thing and it it's not just at these high grades that's so important and that's also what i like about climbing you know it's like people always think oh, it's just important conditions for the top top climbs high grades no it's not if if it's limit it doesn't matter if it's a v2 or if it's v16 or 17 it's your personal limit, everything starts to count, like everything has to line up because it's limit. And that's what I like. It's a pretty similar experience, you know? And you don't have that in many other sports. I mean, that's if you true. play tennis, you have to have a you have to have a certain level so it really makes fun. You will never experience how it is for Nadal, Djokovic, Federer to play in a major, whatever. Um, but when you go climbing, you can go to your limits from the very first day on. And it's the same as we when I go after 25 years to my limit. It's still the same. You slip off the crux hold. You can't hold on any longer. And you're like, hmm, why? <laughs>
<laughs> and that's beautiful. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful experience. And yeah, so that's, it doesn't really matter what grade you're jumping around. And you maybe feel that when you have a long rest, you know, after that eight month, I started again with V7, V6 climbing outdoors. And man, this felt like whatever, V12 at the beginning. <laughs> it, it was just super hard. Um, yeah, I had to fight on every move. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. And that's why also it's, you will maybe experience that yourself. But it's a lot of people, the longer you climb, the more time you spend, the more you did somehow for me, at least the less relevant becomes the grade. And um, if I even do it or not, it's really the, the experience to be out there to to do these moves, to solve this problem, do this choreography, to move on the rock. That's what really drives me on these like beautiful moves or places. And whatever grade it is, as I said, it's like when I do a few months off, it's V8, my maximum. And I have tons of fun climbing there because it's my limit and I have to solve the problem. And then if I'm in shape, it's V14, V15. Yeah, it's my limit again. So I have to solve and whatever. And for me, the, 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 the thing to get stronger, to be able to climb harder grades was that many of the lines that inspired me the most were just so difficult, you mm. know, dream time, whatever, um, new baseline in Magic Wood, Story of Two Worlds or whatever there are beautiful lines. I never just, I couldn't do them, but I wanted to. And so, okay, I need to get stronger to be able to climb on those moves. And that was always somehow the driver, I think, for me. Even when I started, I had like, whoa, this line looks really cool. I just want to climb it. Because when I started in Magic Wood, that was where I really started then bouldering. That was way more pleasant than Cristiano because there were holds you could pull on. Um, we didn't have a guidebook. There was no guidebook, really. Just some notes from Steini. And we just had easy, I think, middle and hard, something <laughs> like this. You know, so you, yeah. whatever. So you are just walking around and you knew hard was way too hard. <laughs> but, <laughs> So you were just like, wow, this looks really cool. Just climb it. Mm. And then you're like, oh, we cannot do it. And so, okay, you know, you give all you have to do it. And then it's not enough. And then you think, oh, okay, you try really hard, but it didn't work. And then it's, hmm, okay, maybe there are people who are thinking about that problem. And so you start buying books and reading about training like getting a structure so you get stronger so i can climb that so i was starting to educate myself buying books um because there was no internet back in time um stuff like that yeah. so it started everything yeah. so there is actually no bad session mm. they don't happen it's just it cannot be because you out there you can climb and you have the experience to climb on those moves. And if this is what you, if this is why you climb, it has to be an okay session, at least, you know, a good experience. And as I said, if you don't top out the boulder, that's the moment you learn the most, because then you can search for this 
explanations, excuses, and they will teach you and they will make you a better climber. If you just get up everything, you will not progress. Mm. Okay. Or not, not, okay. Um, but not in the same way. Right. So mix it. Okay. Do some easy stuff, do a lot of volume, sample a lot of moves, and then just sometime challenge yourself. Do the stuff you cannot do and try to figure out what it takes. Mm. But only if it's really whatever. There must be some fun, inspiring moves, some history. It can be a move like 30 centimeters from the ground. Doesn't matter. Can be super fun as well, just for the move. You know, it's like Fred, Nicole, there's a quote. It's like, what did he say? It's like, close to the ground are often the hardest moves, something like this. Mm. Um, yeah. It's anyway, it's so arbitrary, you know, it's so random what we do. It's like, oh, we climb from here to there. As I said, you can walk from behind. So just make up your own game. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love it, man. Don't set yourself limits. <laughs> I think, uh, Martin, I think you and I are going to have to do a follow-up conversation. I got some questions <laughs> for you about your coaching mm-hmm. and uh, some other yeah. great stuff as well, but let's save it for, for round two. I'd love to talk to you again. Um, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for your time. This has been fascinating. And so I'm going to be listening to this conversation again, for sure. There's so many things you touched on that um, are really resonating with me right now. Just that simple idea of talking to ourselves the way we talk to our best friend. I mean, I am categorically terrible at doing that. And I think I've really been feeling the result of of that kind of compounding on itself um, over the course of the last six months or year, just letting myself feel overwhelmed by, okay, like people are liking this podcast. Now I have to live up to all these ex- ex- expectations that I'm setting and, and making up in my own brain and things along those lines. And same with climbing, like you get momentum in your climbing and all of a sudden you feel it's easy to let yourself feel pressure. Like you have to outperform mm-hmm. yourself, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it just, it's not a linear process. And nope. so, yeah, th- that's a huge takeaway that I'm going to be practicing. Um, yeah. in, in wrapping up, yeah, I just want to go ahead. Always remember, really always remember at the Bulls because it, it's really a shame, a shame. It's, um, it's so many people feel the same, you know, me, me as well. It's, as you say, you have the expectations. It's like our society, it's about performing and ticking and then social media doesn't make it easier. You know, it's like, it seems everybody's sending all the time and you're the only one who's not. And because you only see that, you know, you, you're not seeing the failure that are usually people only posting their highs. That's why I post my failures all the time. Oh, just I love give it. People maybe a bit of different perspective. Like not always just everything so easy and I struggle like a lot and the same as you. It's like, oh, it's like you see all your friends sending and why do I stall now? Last year was really good. Now nothing seems to work. And maybe even as you say, it goes backwards. So then just just as I t- just remind yourself why you're climbing. As I said, nobody comes up with, I want to send all the time. Okay. And this will just bring you back. Okay. It's totally okay to, to be a bit upset. As I said, you don't, you don't perform as well and it would be nice to get up, but still just try to have this bit of, of just be 
nice okay to yourself because the shit comes anyway <laughs> life is mean enough and um, that's not the problem true. so there is really no point in punishing yourself for that stuff and about your podcast um i really like that so much you you take so much effort and you bring so many nuggets um to the people that's actually a magic bullet okay everybody should make use to just yeah listen to that one you learn so much from so many different people with so many different perspectives and backgrounds and just suck it up for yourself and take home what you do and don't put pressure on you man there you're doing such a good job just keep going mm -hmm. you're doing this so good just keep going uh, okay well, and there's really one point it's enough is enough you don't have constantly going for progress and always better and yeah. more and more yeah that's a very American mindset thing that it's easy yeah. to get sucked into. Totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. long term, yeah, for sure. It's nice to try different stuff. It's as with climbing, you know, but there is a time also to say, hey, actually looking back and also just pat yourself on the shoulder and be proud of what you've done and how far you came. And this is okay. And it's nice. And now just, okay, I have a few ideas. Okay, let's play with these but just yeah just always also look back and then yeah let's see what you can do in the moment because in the moment that's the only the only time in life we can actually um willingly steer kind of because we have no influence of the past we have no influence on the future or way less than we think and so many people live only in the past or in the future it's pretty pretty a shame so yeah try more to live in the past uh, in the moment <laughs> as i said like be out there in waco like beautiful weather mm. people enjoying like being able to climb and touch that rock because yeah you never know how long you still can do mm. well yeah. martin i appreciate you man i'm really really thankful for your support um and for our communication over the last year or so. And it's it's awesome that we finally got to do this. I, I've really enjoyed this conversation a lot. Enjoyed it as well. Thanks a lot, Steve. Where can people connect with you? Um, I know you're active on Instagram. And as you said, you share a lot of your process and your failures there, which is so cool. It's, it's so relatable and inspiring to see that it's a struggle. It's not always easy. And I, I really think Mm. Um, that's valuable. So thank you. But yeah, where can people connect with you? Yeah, easiest way is definitely on Instagram. Um, there you find me under my handle, I think, Switzy Bouldering. Uh, yeah, it still is, or Martin Keller, my name. And there you see the, the newest update on the I can't climb the stuff I want to. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually, eventually, yes, you know, because that's the funny thing. In the end, I got all the ones I tried for so long up mm. to now. I got them all. Um, yeah, it's funny. It's interesting. And yeah, I just like to give people a bit of different perspective. As I said, it's sometimes easy to get sucked in and you see the professionals and it's just not just not how it is you know it's like for the most for most people of us we we have not been climbing since we're two years old and this is again a big explanation it's just making a lot of things easier mm. so yeah just remember yourself why you started climbing what you liked 
and maybe still like so much about it and then things just go way easier and you can deal with failure way easier and always think of it as learning process because it always teaches you as i say find out as many excuses as you can and then try to solve the problem do it better next time see how it goes mm -hmm. that's how progress goes if this is your thing you will progress for sure I love it. Well, thank you again. Um, loved this conversation. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to the patrons who submitted questions. Sorry we didn't get to more of them. But um, yeah, let us know, you guys, what you took away from this conversation and what resonated and what you'd love to hear more about from Martin. I think we'll have to do a round two one of these days. But uh, you can find links to everything we talked about in the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com. I'll link to Martin's Instagram at Bouldering. And you can follow his journey from there. Thanks again, Martin. Thank you, Stephen. Keep up the good work. And yeah, for the folks out there, check out the nuggets. You can learn a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Hey friends, before you go, don't forget to check out the Grasshopper board. Check them out on Instagram at Grasshopper Climbing to see the board and to see what all the fuss is about. It's awesome. I climbed on this with Boone Speed when I visited him in Salt Lake and interviewed him and I had so much fun, quickly fell in love with the board. You can also visit grasshopperclimbing.com to find out where you can find a board near you and to try it out for yourself and tell them I sent you. And when you are ready to get your very own grasshopper board, you can save some big money on your order. And be sure to check out Athletic Greens. I love this stuff. I've been taking it every day. It tastes great. It's refreshing. And it's nice to know I have my bases covered when it comes to my nutrition. Go to athleticgreens.com nugget to get a free bottle of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your very first purchase and get sipping on some tasty athletic greens. And that's it, my friends. Thank you for listening to the very end. I hope you all have an amazing week and remember to be kind to yourselves. Remember what it is that you love about climbing. It's easy to lose sight of that when goals and training and things like that come into the picture. But yeah, remember what you love about climbing. Have fun out there. Try hard. Happy projecting. And... We'll see you next time. We got the rise up. We put the hammer right down. Wanna be like us? You better stick around. If you want it, you gotta prove it. Like we do it. Like we do it. There's no one can do it like we do We do it.